This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 278. Yea, verily, we bequeath unto you. Release yourself from the shackles of nuance and understand the great definitiveness of the 300% faction ranking. You sit in a cold, dark room alone. You know nothing. You will know nothing until the day when your big, bad, hot stepdads give you the final and forever permanent tattoo on your back of the final Twilight Imperium faction tier list ranking list ranked. Then God said, let the land produce rankings, seed-bearing arborek and trees on the land that bear fruit and seed with it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. An opal, a topaz, a ruby, an emerald of perfect and immaculate ranking of Twilight Imperium factions in one rank tier list style gifted to you from your god kings <laughs> a list that cannot even be cut by diamonds less an episode and more a perfect dream from which when you wake your life will be over <laughs> The 300% faction sweet kiss of death. (laughs) Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. A scroll is found in a dusty, dirty bin at the bottom of the ocean. Inside of it, your goddads have farted out another (laughs) tier list. (laughs) I think that's that's the start of the episode. Hi, hello, welcome. It's uh, it's us. We're here. It's the it. It is our yearly tradition. It is our New Year's gift to you and the ball we drop is a decision on exactly with preciseness and definitiveness that can go unquestioned the list of all factions and this year we're not messing around okay Right. right before it was all jokes i'm gonna be honest yeah we actually this is canonical yeah we were actually joking in years past when we did the faction Hootenanny. Uh-huh. By the way, we still call this a Hootenanny, yeah, oh, even yeah. though we may have dropped that in the... I don't know which... But we, me and Matt just had five minutes of like <laughs> pure adventure, <laughs> and I do not know what actually landed in your ears. Mm-hmm. But this is the faction Hootenanny. This is when we rank every faction in Twilight Imperium based off our current thoughts, which are final yep. and will not be changed. Nope. If... I'll say this. So I want to decanonize all the previous lists from all the last past years. Yep. Those were false witnesses. Yep. Those were betrayers, <laughs> traitors. All right. Heretics. That was not me. That was not me and Matt. That was someone else. And I also want to say for future hunters and Matts, do not listen to their lies. Yeah. 
this yeah. today this is, is it. All right. There will there will be more faction hoot nannies, but that Matt and Hunter mm-hmm. is not this Matt and Hunter, and this Matt and Hunter tell the truth. Yeah. We yeah. know lie. We won't. We don't. This, we did, ver- this we version of Matt and Hunter are the two that have escaped from the great time flux, and yes. uh, we are the only ones who can see truth with a capital T. Uh, you so. gotta listen to us. We're yeah. the good ones. Yeah, the other the ones one. suck. <laughs> listen, ev- everyone knows that every episode of Space Cats, Peace Turtles, a new Matt and Hunter clone are created and the old ones right. are killed. They're dead. Right. We live right. in the space of a Tuesday. You know what I mean? Right. That's that's mm-hmm. our whole lives. That's going to be my memoir about Space Cats, Peace Turtles will be Between like... Between two Tuesdays. <laughs> We release on Wednesdays, but I don't. I don't know what we're even talking. Well, well yeah, yeah. We record on Tuesdays. We call it Ti sure. Tuesdays, um, yeah, even though we yeah. don't play Ti on Tuesdays. But uh, yeah, so I mean, we li- we live in the space of a Tuesday, okay, right. and then we die, okay. Right. But we're like flies. Yeah, yeah. We we are like flies, and <laughs> I just want to say that that we're on it this time. We've mm. got it, or at least we mm. will have it because there's a process this year. Yep. Um, we're gonna do uh we're we're this is a bit of a crossover episode with our other project, Old Gamers <laughs> Almanac. We are just gonna rank all twenty five yeah. in a big dumb list. Well, we've gotten so darn good at it yeah. that it's just time to time to marry processes. Yeah. Before we get into what this year's list will look like, uh, we have uh, just some quick announcements of things coming up that you should be aware of. Uh, first and foremost, on the calendar, market December. 27th at i'm gonna say roughly roughly 10 a.m central standard time but uh we always have to be a little bit flexible it's the return of the holiday spectacular that's right we swore off it we said we'd never do it again and then by gum we've done it again yep uh it's looking like we might even have a seven player game unless one of the people just decides not to play which is totally maybe i don't know we'll see but hey the theme of this year's holiday spectacular is chill times with friends where we don't yell at each other uh matt and where matt doesn't well, yell at anyone and, and i'll say this where where we're gonna be this time matt i wanted yeah, to go ahead yeah. and get ahead of this you it will not any broken chairs will have to be replaced Right, as opposed yeah, yeah. to the policy, perhaps in past years, I'm making a pretty deep cut <laughs> reference here. But I'm just saying, like, we won't be able to. You know, my mom is gonna have a bit of a, uh, you break it, you bought it kind of attitude. Yeah, you know? well, that only applies to chairs, and there's four walls, and I can do whatever I want to those. So it's <laughs> true. It's true. I would. I want your head to go through a wall and then get stuck. And then we have to like all yank you out of the wall. That's going to be I a mat size hole in the sliding glass door. Yes, I want that. Yeah. Uh, also coming up. Uh, well, uh, not coming up, but uh, what what has now changed about the tournament? Tournament signups are closed. Patreon tournament five, 2023 edition. The tournament signups are closed. That does not mean it is impossible for you to become a part of the tournament. If you want to become a part of the tournament, all you have to do is sign up for the Patreon, and there is a post. In the Patreon, a published post that has a link to a waitlist sign-up form. You can go to this form. It's all of the same information that was on the original sign-up form. If you sign up for the waitlist and you're nice and available in January and February and maybe even March, if a player has to drop, if a player has to bow out of the tournament, if we see a no-show during a game within 24 hours of the game's start time, we can pull from the waitlist and then that's a way to get in on games. So don't hesitate. 
uh, for people that bow out of the tournament, like way before any game is scheduled, I take from the waitlist in order. So I will just go to the waitlist and message down the line. So you want to be early on the waitlist. Right. But for just like, oh no, this game is falling apart. We need someone to come step in to help us start this game at the last second. That is an all call on the Discord. Everybody gets pinged. So if you want to try to make your way into the tournament that way, that sign up is now available on our Patreon. Right. So Matt, what if I wanted to pull off some sort of like waitlist or heist into yeah. the prelims? What would like kind of be like my what would be my best shot of like waitlisting into the prelims and not even have to do the qualifiers? Uh, I mean, who knows what the prelims this year, especially because there's less, hopefully there's less of a gap than last year, although that's not necessarily true. Um, but I, I mean, you, the, your best bet with prelims is probably people are not dropping ahead of time from the prelims. Right. So by the time we get to the prelims, it's literally so-and-so has disappeared and they were supposed to show up for this right. game and they're just gone. And how, how how much does that happen in a year, Matt? How often does that happen? Like once, twice a year? Uh, like 50 times last year. <laughs> really? 50? It was that many times? It wasn't really. It's mostly, it was not, I'm not kidding, it was roughly 30 times in the qualifiers and maybe 10 to 20 in the prelims. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't a know. A lot of... Uh, it, it, this thing goes on so long, people sign up in November, and then March rolls around, and they're like, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> this was a fool's errand. <laughs> I, so I, you're saying I claimed I was going to play a game of Twilight Imperium. You're saying I said that? <laughs> do you what have me I? on record saying that? You do? Oh, mm. you do? Weird. You have... Wow, you. I paid? I paid for that. You're saying I paid for this? You're saying I've been paying for this? That's insane. That's unbelievable. I can't believe that. Uh, also, we have videos out now on our YouTube. The first is the qualifier slices reveal, as well as the tournament draft method. Uh, just to put it out there really fast, you should go watch that video, but the draft method is, is a standard multi-draft, except for there's a fun little game of building faction pools before you do the multi-draft. So the way you decide your seven factions for a multi-draft is through this little bonus process of, yeah. a, of a faction draft. That is the gist of this year's tournament draft uh the ttpg tutorial is out there players can of course also use tts we're trying to do both allow everything whatever works for you and uh on the note of tts though we got daryl on ttpg and daryl's made a beautiful draft tool I i'm i've been looking i don't know who's developing for tts anymore if you know how to code draft tools uh, seriously message me and then let's see if we can put one together and then we can get uh, Raptor to ship an update before the games start. I would love an actual tournament draft tool, but um, I'm not kidding. I can't find any TTS devs anymore and I've been looking and I've been asking everybody I know and nobody does it anymore besides like maybe for their like their local friend group. So if you code TTS for your local friend group and want to add something to the whole mod, hit me up. Yeah. Uh, we need someone to make the the, pro the drafting process a little bit easier for our TTS players. I'll say this. if I mean, worst case scenario isn't so bad for TTS because of the no. multi-draft tool that's already there. Because right. it actually takes the faction cards into the draft tool, you can sort yeah. of rig it, but it will feel a little bit weird, I think, um, right. and possibly be a little bit easier to mess up than the TTPG yep. uh, tool. Um, It'll I'll, also add some time, uh, yeah. which it, the draft is 
under the time limit. So like trying to sort of finagle with the cards and stuff. Just going to add a, a few seconds, a minute, whatever, something like that. Not, not Nothing dramatic, but um, on the subject of time limit, I, I didn't put this in the video because it's been kind of consistent the last couple years. Um, so honestly, sort of an oversight, but I'm planning to have sort of like a, a, a one sheet, a document that sort of gives all the details about how tournament games are run. But just a quick reminder that your time limit in a tournament game is eight hours from the start of the draft this year. So as soon as you all are ready to go, eight hour clock begins at the end of those eight hours, you finish whatever round you are in. So it's not a hard stop at eight hours. You finish the agenda phase of the round you are in. And if no one has reached 10 points by that point, the players who are tied for the lead begin drawing stage one public objectives mm -hmm. until only one person can score them. If you cannot score when you are knocked out of the whole process. If nobody can score one, you move on to the next one. If somehow, which this has never happened, but if somehow you exhaust every single stage one public objective, you move on to secret objectives and draw that way. But again, never has happened. Almost always someone in the lineup, in the tie, can can win off of a stage one. Right. Uh, and, and that would be how you end your game. Um, hopefully we don't see too many of those, but who knows? Uh, I saw some people noting that this year's uh, slices are decently meaner than previous first rounds, right? They're a little bit uh, more poor. They're a little bit yeah. more tricky. Uh, and that totally, we could see games just sort of inherently go longer. We will have to we'll have to find out. Mm. I don't, we don't know exactly how restrictive. However, Hunter, y'all just did a mock game the other day. I mean, it was six expert level players, but y'all didn't have any time limit issues whatsoever. So. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say something about that game, actually. Um, so I did a mock qualifier game, um, and it will be on the YouTube eventually. I'm not sure exactly when, because we're in the middle of the holiday rush. Um, but yeah. I wanted it out there so that people could kind of see a full example of what a qualifier game could look like. Um, yeah. We got it done with, I think, an hour and a half on the clock, meaning it took yeah. us about six and a half hours to play from the draft through the entire game. Um right. We were kind to each other. We played competitively. <laughs> there was right. no, like, you know, hor horrible uh, audio poison of people just kind of yelling at each other. <laughs> we got through it. And guess what? At no point did it feel like we were rushing, okay? Yep. Like, I seriously want to take this. I, I, I'll list them right now. So it was me. Obviously, I'm great. MJ Ultra, <laughs> Deft Piper, uh, Kaluin, uh, Space Lawyer, and Rando. Um, and I just want to say, for the record, we're the six greatest uh, Twilight Imperium players of all time, in my opinion, <laughs> uh, because that was that was a like that game was hot. It was it was people were playing really well, and at no point did uh, was I annoyed at all. So there you go. That's something. That's like kind of amazing. That's like a really special thing. Everyone all should right? strive for that. Well, it's it's and, funny how the tournament brings out two different types of conclusions every year. There's all the people where it's like, wow, that was the best game of TI I've ever played because I played with, I, I made new friends. I played in a sort of everyone on the same page, competitive mindset thing without it being too serious. Or you have the people where it's like, that was thir 13 hours. Never again. I'm never going back. Please, <laughs> please save me. Uh, the, 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 that is the dichotomy of SCPT Patreon tournament games. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying like you can... You can do it. I, I, if if we could do it, you can do it. Yeah. Um, and I believe, I believe in everyone that you can all have snappy, fast, qualifying games where uh, a good player is the winner, yep. and then everyone goes home 
and no one has to feel bad about it. Yep. We, the, the, the game is, you know, one part skill, one part luck, third part luck. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, final announcement, and this one's fun. We've been kind of teasing this. Uh, hey, Portland. Hey, Portland. Yeah. On March 22nd at 8 p.m. That is a whoa, 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 Wednesday, March 22nd at 8 p.m. We're going to be in your city and we're going to be performing at the Helium Comedy Club in Portland, yeah. Oregon. Uh, tickets are on sale now. You can go to Helium's website and buy them for $20. And uh, we look forward to seeing everyone there that night we're also going to stay for a long weekend and we don't have exact details ironed out for everybody yet but like we intend to hang out and do stuff and have like a little kind of mini space cats con with anybody who wants to come down to portland or up to portland or lives in portland let's all hang out for a weekend yeah so that's the weekend yeah. after the 22nd show the 22nd and then thursday friday saturday let's all do stuff uh, i think that's kind of our current booked plan yeah, so we're hoping to travel more in 2023. Um, we want to try and hit some regions where we know there's a lot of people that enjoy the show. Um, Portland, uh, for you know, kind of better or, or worse, is a place that we had connections to. So we were like, we can we can get something together in Portland. Yeah. Um, so if you're a West Coast fan, this is like the best we can do. Yeah. I think for you this this coming year now. Hopefully in the future we'll get to do you know live shows all over the country, um, which would be really cool. Yeah. Although it doesn't really make sense, right? <laughs> um, but it hasn't really made sense in the past. Like no, I guess none of this has really made sense <laughs> thus far. It's kind of the not whole thing, really... The whole show is kind of an abomination, you know. Yeah, we're kind of like a weird mutant out here <laughs> on the internet, just kind of being like, and people look at us in fear, but we are growing in power and strength. <laughs> Um, and they will not be able to uh, stop us. We're already taking away space yeah. from like real performers, you know? <laughs> like we are taking up space that could be occupied by someone with skills yeah. or an interesting perspective, you know? <laughs> That's something we're doing. So yeah. so I want to thank everyone for supporting the show and uh, for uh, letting us. I want, you know, I wanted to live a dumb life. Right. And now I, I feel golly. I really feel like I can. Yeah, you've done it. You've really made it, Hunter. You've you've, you've yeah. Oh, <laughs> on your dream poster, you put dumb stuff and threw it in yeah. the closet, and and you're living it. You're here, and I'm really proud of you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Matt, I, my this is just something I you you can cut this if you want, but guess who's gonna be at Helium that week? It's gonna be Dana Gould. It's gonna be <laughs> so the weird. voice of Gex. So part of my plan is to see if we can hang out with Dana Gould and possibly record him talking about Gex um, and to make sure that we don't talk to Dana Gould about the rest of his All uh, right. career. New, new goal is for OGA. We somehow get Dana Gould to do a uh, do 15 minutes with us at the start of this show <laughs> as a mini OGA episode where we review one of the Gex games with him. That's it. I'm yeah. done. I'm th and, so then we're, and then we're done, turns out. Uh, that's so. something we should get. I've always wanted someone to... Have Dana Gould on and not ask him about anything besides Gex because I'm I'm like a hundred percent sure he probably doesn't even remember it or know what it is to be yeah. honest. Oh man, okay, uh, get everyone, it is time. It's you, you've been waiting around long enough. 
we need to rank all of these factions. What's that? Yeah. What did I say? Rank? Yeah. That's right. This year, we mean business. There's not going to be tiers where it's like, oh, I don't want to. I'm just going to like sort of say these four are kind of no, in the same. No, uh -uh. no, no, uh -uh. no. Uh -uh. No, uh -uh. thank you. There is a best faction. There is a worst faction. There is a 16th faction. We're going to go down the list and yeah. reveal the power of every single faction. And this is absolute. We will not be taking questions. You are welcome to yeah. comment on the nature of the list. But uh, you don't get to say it's wrong. I'm sorry. That's illegal. You'll be taken to Discord jail if you do that. Uh, we'll arrest yeah. you. So well, no, that that part is a joke. You you feel free to say that <laughs> yeah. worst. I don't want people to think. Wait, let's not take this too far, Matt. Like, I don't want to start. Like, do we have to ban people from the Discord yeah. because we have to follow through on our <laughs> joke promise? Let's you know, let's let's keep it in the realm of comedy somewhat. Um, because yeah, I don't want to grant you know us any kind of emergency powers or anything yeah. like that. I'll know? make a special role on the Discord that is heretics, and everyone who says something <laughs> bad about this episode gets the heretic role. And I'm gonna change your Discord color to the color of the background, so no one yeah. can ever read your name ever again. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So something I want to say about the format this year um, is that something that's true of Twilight Imperium in its current state is that most factions are actually good. Right. That's just like a truism. Yep. Um, it, in base game, it wasn't really like that. There, there was a lot of varying degrees of quality uh, between each faction to where it was very easy to make like kind of a tier list out of them. We're doing a ranked list, I think mostly to try to upset people so that they were like, it's, it's right. like a, it's a grift. Yeah, you yeah. understand? Right. Like it's, it's a grift. Um, there's not much difference, I would say, in the top 10 or maybe even top 15 factions yeah. as far as perceived. That's the real truth. Right. Now, we're going to, this is like, I'm being real with you so that I can be fake with you. Um, but also, though, that's not true. And I'm right and you're wrong. Okay. Do you understand? Like, let me just kind of talk to you <laughs> it's both. It's really ways. easy. <laughs> it's kind of, I'm gonna, we want to kind of carrot stick you a little bit. So the truth is. None of this really matters that much at all. You can win with pretty much any faction. Yeah. Um, except for maybe one. Um, and then, <laughs> but then also, you're so dumb. Oh, you dumb. <laughs> you so dumb. You no think like I do? No. Unacceptable. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, my, my, my list is uh, the best one. Mm. Your list is the worst one, et cetera, yep. et cetera. So, you know, make, make sure to let us know. That you disagree, yeah. but you are wrong. Let's. Um, I want to start with the least useful list we could possibly pull up, which is okay. the win rate of all of the factions in Tournament Four. Uh, yeah. So let's. This let's. Is garbage. This is just a completely useless set of statistics. First off, this is pre. Codex 3. This is without the Nalu changes, without the Yin changes, without yeah. the Extra yeah. changes. And Council Calera's hasn't been factored in at all. This will be the first appearance of Council Calera's in right. a faction tier list. So that's a whole thing in its in its own right. But I just want to read for you the win rate. Uh, I, I, won't, I don't have the numbers. Well, I do kind of have the numbers. But, but I have the, the ranking by win rate. And that is in games they actually showed up in and then won, not like across yeah. the entire tournament, because some of these factions right. would be wildly different if it was across, if it was wins per every right. game in the whole tournament. But in games they played, here's, here's your order, and you'll see how quickly this becomes useless data. 
Number one, <laughs> Mahawks Gene Sorcerers. Okay. Number two, Titans of Old. Hmm, interesting. Number three, Ghosts of Creus. <laughs> Number four, Yin Brotherhood. Wait, okay. All right, we're done, actually. We don't have to read the rest. Oh, here's just the rest for kicks. Uh, Isaral Tribes, Nasroka Alliance, then Empyrean, Emirates of Khan, Nomad, Clanisar, Federation of Soul, Universities of Jolnar. That whole chunk felt... Yeah, uh, fine. Sardak Nor, Winu. Sardak Nor and Winu are actually the only two that are perfectly tied, and that's kind of beautiful in its own little way. Yeah, that's uh, weird. Uh, yeah, then that's funny. Embers of Muat, Barony of Letnev, Mentak Coalition, Necrovirus, Nalu Collective, Vulwraith Cabal, L1Z1X Mindnet, Arborek, Argent Flight at number 23, and at number 24 is the Xcha Kingdom pre patch. Pre codex. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, basically useless, um, but but funny. I mean, funny. it's definitely worth definitely <laughs> worth thinking about it in in that way. The um, weirdest one is the Argent Flight, who are like maybe the top faction of twenty twenty one or of uh, twenty twenty. Argent mm-hmm. was like among the top performing factions and was second from the bottom this year. So I don't know what that means. I have not figured out what that data means yet. Uh, I can understand Titans and Mahawk like rising to the top. And like, sure. a, and that one chunk we called out, like that stuff makes sense. A sorrow through Jolnar is like, okay, yeah, yeah, this is all, this all tracks. So many of these others are just like uh, a rule of small numbers. The Yin Brotherhood are where they are because the Yin Brotherhood won twenty two percent of their games, which is nine. They won two out of nine games. So I right. don't know for you stat heads out there. I think we can all agree that's not numbers we care about. <laughs> right. Yeah. I I think I think that is. Uh, I think that these numbers are just not, they're just not very smart. They're not smart <laughs> numbers. They're just kind of dumb numbers to me. Um, I don't really get like why, why we should even pay attention to them. Um, yeah. I think at the end of the day, there will be no way. There's too much that is inconsistent in Twilight Imperium yeah. for us to isolate the variable that is faction. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's that's too difficult a variable to isolate mm. so that we can determine exactly how good the faction is in a vacuum. Right. I can give you advice on what to do in a vacuum um, because at least I'm eliminating for one variable, which is the other factions, right? right. I'm saying you're starting with this setup. Right. But to just take that faction and then like wildly speculate on <laughs> its place, yeah. I mean, that's a fool's errand. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Yeah. Um, so what? So what we're gonna do this year is me and Matt have built our own list yep. of uh, twenty-five factions. Right. Our own list of twenty-five, and I've thought about mine a lot. I've actually been thinking about it kind of for like a week um, since since. Uh, what? what? Why are you laughing? What's funny about that? I don't believe you, but it's fine. No, that's fine. I, you don't. You, you don't believe that it. I've been thinking about it for no. a week? No, I believe you. Th- I, w- I, I thought about mine for about five minutes. <laughs> so whatever. There's your comparison. Well, see, that's that's the thing. That's we both bring you know kind <laughs> yeah. of a different energy to uh-huh, it. You uh-huh. know. Yeah. I have been I have been thinking about mine though for a week. Okay. I've been thinking about what the top what the top five factions sure. are. Sure. For about a week, I haven't really, really been thinking about the rest of the list because yeah. to me, to me honestly. The challenge here, when you have when you have all these factions and they're all so good, yeah. The challenge is figuring out how what what are the best ones of the pack. Right. I feel like right. that's really what it is. Yeah. So, um, and I was I was talking about mine on uh, on stream the other day. Okay. Uh, whenever I was streaming the mock qualifiers, so that was kind of fun to sort of bounce 
ideas off of people. Yeah, off of Twitch chat. Um, yeah, off Twitch chat. Um, but yeah, and I think even I think even talking with Twitch chat was actually good for my rankings for me to for me to reflect a little bit on what some other people think, especially some people whose thoughts I actually feel like listening to. Yeah. Um, so my list that I made myself is not. These are if Hunter is the pilot of yeah. all of these factions. Ah, I am going okay. for in a vacuum. Do which which kit do I think is actually the strongest? Yeah, with that's, you that's with you in for. mind too. What do you want to play to win? What what do you? What no, you... not not with me in mind. Oh, okay. In fact, the op, you're saying the, that's what I'm saying. That's is, what you're saying. Vacuum. Okay, got it. Got it. Got it. Not with me as the pilot okay. because if 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 it's my list where I'm the one doing the faction then it's a very different list right. and sardak nor is wildly inflated on that list <laughs> but on on this list sardak nor is probably just biased for yeah but not wildly inflated um well should we compare our lists first and then we can come to some sort of uh, common ground between them no. do we want to do that no no i i think we should start building the communal list from the <laughs> bottom up in the most it's so that it's frustrating uh -huh. and there's lots of reveals as we go <laughs> Okay, bottom up. Uh, well, you know, I mean, I think we even said this recently in our uh, our, ex, our Codex 4 wish list. Are we in agreement that Arborek is the new worst? Is Arborek number 25, if you rank all of them? Um, I, I'm looking at my list right now, and I see number 25 Arborek. Ditto. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, so we both did that in a vacuum. Uh, we did not tell each other we were doing that. Nope. I think that's what, you know, like we've we've said this many times before, it's a 10-point podcast, okay? Yes, right. That's what we're focused on. That's what the tournament's about. Um, we're not interested in the game being longer. I don't care what Dane says. Do you remember when Dane was like, oh, this game should be played at 14? I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> he wanted to kill like, us Will all. you grow up? You have to be an adult now. We can't, we have, we have places to be. We got things to do, Dane. We can't just play your game all weekend right Wait, like what do you who does that <laughs> but yeah uh, so number 25 arborek is just they've had the worst kit for yeah. this job they i just think they're don't cool have a good kit they're not the they're not my least favorite faction i'll say that much for sure oh no i love but arborek. i do think in a 10 point six player game they have the most struggles um i don't even think they have the most variants i think there's factions that lose harder than arborek it's not like i think arborek finishes every game at like five points or something right no, whereas there are like other that. factions that get to five points all the time but that's like 50 percent of the time and then the other 50 percent of the time they get to 10 or whatever like there's there's just right. crazy uh differences in there whereas arborek it's just like it's so hard to see them get to 10 and that's right. the problem yeah, I think a lot of the times, um, if you play really, really solid TI, you can like stay in the pack yeah. as Arborek, um, which we've seen. We've seen Andra play uh, Arborek uh, to great success. Yep. Uh, Carnal has played Arborek to great success. Um, and I think the the story of those games is that those players were able to just be like, okay, I'm going to keep everything in line, and we hope we don't get too many bad flips. Yep. Uh, and when I say bad flips, I mean... Uh, you know, victory point conditions that are difficult for our break, which there are a lot, right? right. Um, there's a lot they don't even... We were talking about structures the other day, and it's like, our break doesn't even want to build structures. Yeah. So let's say structures come out, and then it's like, why am I building structures? Yep. Like, this is literally, like, antithetical right. to my advantage Just to be that I don't have to worry about structures. Yeah. But um, if only there was a way to maybe change that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so I just feel like Arborek has... there's 
it's most likely that the RNG flips in a way that makes it really difficult for you to win your game. Um, and I think when they do, when we have seen Arborek victories, it has a little more to do with them holding it together. Yeah. And then what happens in the last round happens in the last round. And I'm not, I'm not saying there's a lot of people that play really good above the table and they can sort of like work in that space right. in such a way as to possibly kind of lean the game towards their side. Right. But once you enter round five, there's so many different things that can happen. Um, and I think the the real victory with Arborek is making it to round five and still having a chance at being in line for winning. Right. That's the important part because you don't have any win slay abilities. No. You don't have any, like you're not, you're not really going to be much of a factor in stopping anyone except for perhaps a neighbor. Yeah. Um, you're much better at rooting Mechatol Rex, which could be a factor in the late game. That could be what gets you, you yeah. know, over the finish line. Right. Um, but I, you're not going to really participate much in the round five madness, right? You, you know? don't. You you have so few opportunities to worry about things like speaker control. So then you have this inability to put yourself into the scoring position. Even if you yeah. could have gotten to ten points, it's hard to be where you need to be <laughs> where it, with in regards to the to the speaker token. So right. it's all tricky. Um. Okay. What do you, what next up? I have like four factions I'm looking at. Um. I'll say this much. Who have we seen the most recent updates for? So, so the stuff that this list has never pr previously considered is new Extra, new Nalu, right. Polaris in general, and right. new Yin. New Yin, new Yin yeah. is... I still don't look favorably upon new Yin. For me, Yin Brotherhood is number 24. But I wonder ah, I wonder where you kind of sit with this. Because I, I think down here towards the bottom is also maybe Ghosts, Sardak, Muat. Maybe yeah. I, I could almost throw in Mentec, but I'm not going to. I have a whole thing. So, um, but those those four Yin Ghosts, Muat, Sardak, I feel like exist in this space. And we should sort of kind of dance around with those four unless you have unless you want to pull any of those four out of that. I got a uh, well. Yeah, I, I got one to add to that four, but I'll I'll reveal it later because let's talk about number 24 first, which I don't think is going to have to do with the faction I, I want to talk about. My number 24 is Muat. Yeah. Um, and it's just that I feel like the kit has not really advanced in a way that translates into like winning the game especially well. Yeah. I think Yin Brotherhood has some niche opportunities to like win pretty solidly. Yeah. Whereas Muat, I'm just not really sure what a Muat game is supposed to be at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and for that reason, I kind of like kind of lean at it being Muat at 24. I'm down to settle for Yin instead because my I, I ranked Yin as number 22. So actually I have somebody in between Muat and, and yeah. Yin on my list. Um, I just feel like Muat, Muat's whole thing, like, like we've seen a lot of games where Muat ended up being played like really optimally. Yeah. Um, I think about uh, Vision S's game mm -hmm. in the semifinals of uh, 2021 in Tournament 3. Yep. Um, optimal play, like fantastic. It, it what it ended up doing for Vision S was that she had absolute control of Mechatol Rex. Mm -hmm. How much of a factor is that right. in the grand scheme of things? I feel like it just kind of isn't. Right. Like being able to sneak Mechatol Rex is important to be able to do. Like it's important to be able to punch enough to possibly take it from someone. Yeah. The factions that lock it down. There's too many other things they need to go right for them in order for that strategy of locking down Mechatol Rex to be very fruitful. Yeah. So we need speaker position to be solid. We need right. our our scoring tempo to be solid, which generally means 
you know, were we able to get custodians? Yeah. We probably weren't as as embers of Muat. So I feel like they're just kind of a lower performer for me. What? How? How well do they do? Do, do how do we have them for stats? How'd they do? Uh, stats wise, they are sitting at four wins out of twenty four games played, uh, which yeah. is not not a lot, uh, obviously. Um, that that's a seventeen percent. That's really just like middle of the pack. They were kind of in this this seventeen percent window was like Joel Nar, Sardak yeah. Nor uh, was in the seventeen percent. Winu was in the seventeen percent, and I don't think that's too far off. My take with Muat is just this. I, I, I do think they're down here, but what I feel like we've discovered is that hero, it doesn't go off every game. Like it, I, I think the first year, nobody could figure out how to make the hero useful because everybody wanted it to be a win slay ability and nothing else. But right. we've seen Muat players uh, like vouch for themselves more, I think, recently. I think we're starting to see that hero pull off better stuff we're seeing more people really prioritized uh prototype war sun 2 and the movement on those things is pretty good and then that gets you into positions to set up the supernova tile and then that can get you set like i think seeing vision s do it two years ago catapulted what i think has been a, a slight new wave of muats so for me i agree with everything you said hunter i still feel like maybe muat is above ghosts because i think ghosts has a lot of the same issues and a lot of the same strengths as muat and then ghosts doesn't have a finisher of any meaningful kind to me whereas like muat has some economic engine stuff that's mildly helpful although i don't think it's like amazing and ghosts is just like i don't know sometimes i spawn free fighters and then like i move two systems around but like i i do think the he the heroes are were my breaking point at the very least and they're right next to each other for me ember muat and ghosts so I just wanted to throw that out there, but if you have kind of an argument for why Ghost is a lot higher, I'm happy for Muat to be number 24. I think that, well, so let's, so you're you're proposing Yin for 24, so let's kind of do well, Muat versus Yin and kind of go from there, right? Like, sure, I mean, most, I, I, sense? I don't, I think I'm fine with already bouncing Yin out of it, because I, I think I, I've seen the least of Yin out of, like, kind of anything, so I'm not, oh, okay. I'm not overly trusting myself but i just don't think that hero is all it's chalked up to be and i don't think anything else is like amazing necessarily but yeah i mean i think the yin's movement problems are still really bad their economic problems are still really bad uh you have to do really like the only clever stuff with yin revolves around like yin spinner sling or a uh, uh, bio stim stuff and even that i don't think i've ever seen like work amazingly well in terms of winning a game it's just like oh i have kind of like a lot of infantry or whatever so i think everything hinges on that hero and i just feel like that hero comes up comes up empty more often than not i i have accomplished so many control objectives with yeah. that okay hero like all like if any any control objectives at all come out yeah. even possibly stage twos although you need a little bit of luck for the stage two to to happen then the yin brotherhood can Use that hero to full on accomplish that objective on its own, right. which I would say is even quite impressive. even with the lack of like, I, are you? I, it just comes down to timing, I guess, because that's been my biggest. I mean, it's huge yeah. for that one. In, yeah. in games I've seen, sometimes it pops too early, and then it's just like, well, I just take the planet back. It's kind of not a well, big deal at all. I, I would say that that's player error, right. and I've I've done that myself. Sure. I have popped it off too yeah. early. Well, that's um, fair. You, then. I, I'm happy to see Yin go up higher because I think that's a a perfectly reasonable evidence of it can work. Just like I'm saying, we've learned that Muat can work, right? Like we've seen yeah. evidence 
that people can kind of do things with it. There's there's certainly things people can do with Yin, and um, I think Yin doesn't have the target on their back that Muat does from the get go, and that's certainly something that's that plagues every Muat character is sort of this like desire to pop the war sun or whatever. Right. Yeah. I just I just feel like it's it to me it's closer to Arborek than it would be to to Yin. I think the the best thing I can say about Muat is that Nova Seed sometimes makes it so that you can do the stage two where you have to be in an empty yeah. easier. And the fact that you can enter Supernovas can make that stage two empty right. easier. But it doesn't even full on make the stage two no. viable. Right. And I feel like Yin, uh, their hero can uh, oftentimes make the stage two viable and can almost always make a stage one easily accomplished for sure so i feel like that's that's kind of raw point value there um that i feel like muat doesn't quite have yeah um over yen so maybe we do 24 muat and then maybe next we talk about ghosts sure yeah, yeah. where's so, ghosts fall for you because ghost is my actually 22 i have one even uh lower than muat and Creus. but oh I, okay oh okay so what's your Wait, so what's your 23? My 23 is Sardak, but I, I'm much more interested in the ghost okay. conversation because I think I think I have already rationale for Sardak to be up higher or whatever. But like, I'm I'm well, in, I'm still interested in ghost versus Muat a little bit. I'd like to have that uh, back and forth. I put ghosts at my number 21 I and see. it's your 22. Is That's that what you're right. saying? Yep. Okay. So maybe we talk. Let's talk about what our 23s are because sure. my 23 is Winu. And I'm curious as to where you put Winu on your list. Winu is 20 for me, and Sardak okay. is 23. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So this sort of makes sense. I think if you've ranked uh, Winu 20, then maybe we don't talk about Winu yet. Yeah. Um, even though I just don't like Winu, like I just I just think they're lame. Yeah. Um, I think for 23 we should either put Yin or Ghosts here. So maybe we talk about Yin or Ghosts. Right. Let's, yeah, let's compare Let's compare the two. Muat solidly 24, Arborek 25. For 22 and 23, between Ghosts and Yin, I mean, for me, Ghosts has movement, so if the player can focus hard on plastic, they yeah. can have access to stuff in the Absolutely. late game. Even though Yin has this one-time hero pop, like, a, go a really good Ghost player can focus. And they have the economic engine of, like, four commodities. They can do fancy stuff with the Creus IFF. Sometimes that's even sellable. Or they can get Wormhole Generator and sell that. And that, that's extra stalls. You know, you right. very often get Sling Relay early. You're, you're, do you're, you're honed in on blue tech, and it's easy to do that. Whereas Yin is like, yep. am I doing blue tech Or are we trying something? It's like so many more questions. So, and, and then the Ghost Hero is certainly weird. It's kind of my, I think it's never actually very good um and people make cases for like it being good um however i have turned my opinion around somewhat in the last year on ghosts commander um i don't usually think the fighter's very good but i've seen i mean i've seen like mantis do a single move action and spawn yeah. like 15 fighters and it's like okay yeah. i can't balk at that like that's notable that's a notable increase in plastic that's going to have a meaningful impact on the board so i i do think ghosts should go above yin yeah i completely agree with everything you just said i think that ghost is a faction that can come up short but there's a lot of fundamentals that are that i really like yeah um i don't like their start i think their start is pretty crummy and it used to be having a crummy start that was like half the factions now most factions don't have a crummy start so if yeah. you have a crummy start that's just like a very you need to be overcoming that with like a lot yeah. um of 
you know, positives. But I would say, by and large, I think that the ghosts are just a better faction fundamentally than right. than well, Young Brotherhood. And the and the big thing with ghosts' bad start is at least with ghosts' bad start, there is a known variable of how to solve it. You look at some other yeah. factions with bad starts. I think of like, I mean, even Necro and L One have like bad starts for for yeah. like accomplishing things. Well, Necro, and, but yeah, yeah. Regardless, it's like, what do we do with that? Where do we? I don't know exactly what to do. And every game, you just have to come up with it. Whereas Ghost, it's like, listen, I know one trick I can do. I can go get two trade goods. I can use my home planet for sling relay. I can get like, I can get the stuff I need with this exact process. You know, by taking malice, using the agent, all sure. that stuff. That stuff is an is an automatic fallback plan and you can never do worse than that basically is my opinion sure but even that fallback plan is not like i mean you're locked into getting i mean sling relay is a good tech but you're you're locked into activating a specific place in order to get two trade goods and then like after you've spent the four for your tech now you have to come up with even more money because we only have two trade goods now you know for sure etc you can get you can have kind of a weird start um, I think that their late game is really good. I think they're they are a faction that excels at um, wind slaying themselves, and then also <laughs> enabling others to wind slay. Yeah. Like they're they're good at a lot of stuff that's important in the game. Yeah. Um, I just feel like overall, it's not enough for them to be in the mid tier or the no. top tier. Exactly. They're just a little too flimsy, and I feel like that. Yeah, that hero. Very strange. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I'm not really sure exactly what it's doing for them. Sometimes it, sometimes it makes it so that oh, a, a player won't be able to to get the Mechatol Rex point they needed uh, in round five in order to, yeah. to win the game. And it's like okay, cool. That kind of slowed down someone else. But right. I mean, a lot of the time, it it really kind of happens in a way that just doesn't matter that much because yes. you have to put it somewhere. That's right. the whole thing. It's not like you're taking it out of play. It's like it's going somewhere, which means somebody has some sort of access to yeah. it in yeah. addition to ghosts. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, uh, I think Yin Brotherhood number 23 and then ghost number 22 sounds yeah. really good to me. Yeah. Um, so next up, it sounded like we were both kind of in this Winu and maybe Sardak conversation. My, my number yeah. 20 is Winu. My number 23 is Sardak. And it seems yeah. like everything above that line is suddenly in sort of a like, okay, we're talking about like actually halfway decent factions now, uh, after right. these two. So the big question then is Sardak Nor versus Winu where Sardak Nor has some consistency to it. I would say among these bottom six ghosts and sardak nor are at least stable factions right they're just like that's an eight point faction or whatever an eight or nine right. point faction and it's just that 10th point that's always tricky whereas arborek muat yin and winu all exist in this like sometimes you just sit in the dumpster uh sort of situation and the difference with winu is when winu doesn't sit in the dumpster if no if they're not put in check they're actually like a major awful threat on the table it's just that it's quite easy to do something about that if you even put any effort into it at all in the early game if anyone puts pressure on winu that's it for winu lights out sorry yeah yeah we've when the game when pok first came out everybody was so busy figuring out their own deal that winu was like i felt like kind of doing quite well yeah because there wasn't enough time to think about what other players are doing now I feel like it's hard. It's I feel like it's hard to get that Winu win. Yes. Like even you know, even though so much has been improved about the faction, so much was improved about most factions. Right. So right. I I feel like they're in a weird position in that way. I will say this: I'm a little bit like 
I maybe don't want so you so you ranked Ghost of Krius above Sardak Nor on your list, right? Yep. So I ranked Sardak Nor number nineteen okay. on my list. Okay. And that you know, and I don't have to explain that. <laughs> Everyone knows why I I did that. But I think for our list, perhaps Sardak Nor should go actually below Ghost of Krius. Mm. Because I know that while I love Sardak Nor and I feel like they have a really interesting tool set, yeah. that I play them when I play Sardak Nor, I play my little heart out. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Well um and I don't want to skew the data too much. I think in a vacuum more sure. people can play Ghosts of Krius well yeah. than people that can play Sardak well. Yeah. I, I think there's been a lot of Sardak games that I've seen where, you know, people you know, maybe maybe they're kind of playing them because they want to they they want to please Papa, they want to yeah. please Daddy, you know. Um, <laughs> right. And I get it, and I see you, and you're all my children, and I love you all equally. Um, but then you know, does the game add up to being a whole lot? Not really. Yeah. Um, I think well, that it's really easy for their kit to kind of not sync up with what is needed in this moment. Um, and. I, I want to look at this, I think though. ghosts more often actually can score objectives that are relevant. May, maybe. My thing with Sardak is I do think there are things in Sardak's kit that are, like, unequivocally some of the best. Th like, uh, Exotrireme 2 is, like, still is crazy. Now, I think what I've noted is I don't see it as often. Like, people people are going different paths as Sardak these days or, like, just don't, don't end up kind of hinging on an exotrireme 2 late game situation yeah. but i think sure. when that does exist it is still a crazy power and i think that hero accomplishes really wild stuff and i think that commander can be relevant it's all board position right like that's kind of a random factor and sometimes gamma mama is amazing and sometimes it's just like nothing really happens with it but like i think there's something really stable about sardak and i think it's like something unassuming about them this is about this is more of like a meta thing where like ghosts i feel like people are still keeping a finger on the pulse of throughout the game and like doing something about whereas i feel like sardak because they have sort of some baseline defensive abilities and like they get things where they need them to be their mechs are really good i think it's harder to do something about sardak that's doing well compared to ghosts hmm. that's that's where for me, I go back and forth. I did put Sardak underneath Ghosts, but for the bigger list, I'm almost in the opposite direction of you, where I'm like, I want to trust your uh, belovedness of Sardak because I don't think you're alone in that. And guess what? Before Prophecy of Kings, there were Ghost stands. I don't see that at all anymore. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't. I very rarely see people like singing the praises of Ghosts as this like ultimate faction. Whereas I do think like there are people that kind of swear by the cult of Sardak. I think I've seen I've seen a lot of players that I think are really good at ghosts and, yeah. and will talk about it. I think Deft uh, plays a good ghost game. I think yeah. Magi plays a good ghost game. I think Seto Kaiba plays a good ghost game. Right. Um, I think those are players that definitely know what that faction is capable of. Yeah. And I don't know that I like. Sardak, we had that excellent Zippelin play right. um, in Tournament 2 yeah, or having... Tournament 3. That was yeah. Tournament 3. Um, and then that got, you know, that doesn't even exist anymore. Right. Um, and I felt like in Discovery Sardak, there was a lot of, like, really interesting play that I was seeing. Yeah. 
Um, but I feel like, yeah, some of that kit is, I think, a little questionable. I don't know how necessary XO2s are anymore. Yeah. Um, I have the most recent game I played as Sardak has been like probably about a year ago. That's like how how little I get to play my babies. Um, <laughs> but there are also also 25 factions in the game and I have to, you know, wait, we do this show. But uh-huh. um, uh, last time I did, I don't think I had Exos. I think I didn't have much tech at all. Yeah. Um, you can kind of... You can kind of play Sardak trying to get them online, and you can just play poor and, uh, you know, you can play kind of scrumpy about yeah, it. You right. can kind of, there's kind of scrumpy style. Right. And then there's like, I've moved to a better, um, you know, a better situation style. Right. Um, where it's like, yeah, my house is bigger now, you know, that yeah. kind of deal. Um, but I, and I think both approaches like have, you know, a chance to work out, mm-hmm. but they they are pretty rng dependent yeah if you were to say i'm going you know uh no like low tech or no tech stardak right um and then a tech objective comes out that's it your goose is cooked yeah i um, i like that point a lot hunter actually just just this idea that sardak almost in the early game has to pick a variety and that can just be wrong whereas yeah. ghosts you, it doesn't feel like ghosts is ever picking a variety of nope. ghosts and sticking to it you you can you can adapt to the game even if your overall toolkit doesn't have some like superpower whereas i do think sardak has some superpowers but it's just they start so far behind that they have to make bold choices early and can just be punished for it so yeah yeah i think that is a a safe reason to stick with sardak just under ghosts but i do think ghosts is barely eking it out there but i guess that does that mean winu goes above for both of both of us or do we want to further push ghosts up above winu do we want to have a conversation about winu and ghosts well so so i i really don't like winu yeah um so i i sort of what what i just did there was i realized that i i have a bias towards sardak so i'm gonna try and let that go in the sure. interest of journalism <laughs> and let sardak be closer to where i think that it is and i think i have a bias against yeah. winu yeah um now you know, I don't think Winu is anywhere near the good faction territory. No. Um, I I think that a faction that's... Like, I don't want to play a faction that can just be easily stopped by just a little bit of attention in the early game thrown yeah. my way. Right. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So maybe maybe on that, I'm kind of a little more interested in sticking to my guns. I mm-hmm. I think Winu... I I don't know. I'm I'm I want to kind of sound the alarm here. I think Winu sucks. I think Here's... a lot of times when someone has a good Winu game... It just says a lot more about how their neighbors treated them in the yes. early game than it says about anything. Let me explain the the biggest development this year of Winu. Something that I don't think people even hardly talked about or considered in the first year of Prophecy of Kings was doing anything except for Imperial on the hero, right? Yeah. The hero right. is your ticket to success, but that's in the world where we were ta- describing earlier where it's like, well, we're all just checking out our own stuff and Winu can just get away with that. Nowadays... I can't count the number of times I've seen a Winu with a hero online and popping the hero to use Imperial would do them absolutely nothing. Yeah, that happens happens constantly. So now we have Winus all of a sudden going like, oh, wait, do I use the hero to take the speaker token with uh, politics or what happened in a recent game? Winu did warfare. Just because they were just like, I just need plastic right now. Like, I just, I didn't get to take warfare. Did and they I win need... that game, though? No, but they it's, win? Well, and that's yeah. even worse. It was what I'm saying is Imperial wasn't even going to do anything for them. Right. They had to do something else. And even that was a fail of like, of not getting there or whatever. So I do think like it, it can't 
be overstated how bad Winu is even at stage one public yeah. objectives. Like there are so many stage ones that Winu's just like, well, if it's not my home system or Mechatol Rex, I'm dead. Like it just won't work out yeah. for me. It takes so much in round one and two. If you want to have a defensive postured Winu, that's all you do round one and two, which means guess what? You didn't do any scoring. And maybe that defensive posture like leans into uh, an Imperial pop late with Winu, but you're two points, but like you're tempoed behind already. So your hero is only going to catch you up. So yeah, I, I do believe in this new world of Winu actually just sucking. I think I, I, like I said, I spent five minutes on my list and I think I sometimes think of the roller coaster of Winu. Sometimes it hits, but like, I honestly don't know the last time I saw it hit. So I don't think that has validity anymore. Right. I, okay. Well, then I think, yeah. what it, where do you want to put it? I mean, do you want to put it under Yin? Because I think it's under Yin. I Whoa. think Yin is better. I personally I will, think Yin is better. I will compromise and put Winu just above Yin, but under Ghosts and Sardak. I think okay, that, so that I, would make Winu number 22? Yeah. Uh, yeah, 25, or, 4, 3, 2, 22. Okay, so let's let's kind of list what we got thus far. We got number 25, Arborek. We got number 24, Embers of Muat. We got number uh, 23, Yin Brotherhood. We got Winu number 22, Sardak number 21, and then Ghosts number 20. I think that all makes sense. Yeah, I think that checks out. And you know what? I like Ghosts sitting at the top of this uh, because like we literally kind of just said, they they and Sardak are the most just consistent, even if it's not a 10-point consistent, it's like a 9-point consistent. Um, and, and, right. I, and I think that looks better. I think the roller coaster of Winu, the roller coaster of Yin and Muat uh, speaks more to their failings than it does when things randomly work out for them and they and they succeed. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. Well, then what's kind of in our next crop of things? Our, our you know, is it 19 to 17-ish? I'm looking at my own personal list and we, we have like my, I think both of our bottom sixes match this bottom six now, right? Um, No, Ooh. I have one of my bottom six that we have not talked about okay. yet, which is my number 20, the Volrath Cabal. Interesting. That's my okay. number 20. Okay. Uh, Volrath Cabal for me is uh, number 17. So not far off here. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I have it just above Barony Oletnev and Mentak. And honestly, wow, perfect. as I as I said that out loud, I went, why is Cabal above Barony Oletnev? I don't even believe that. <laughs> like, right. I here, think let, I just let, overlooked that. But go ahead. Let, let me let me tell you a little bit about my list now. So my number 20 is Volrath Cabal. My number 19 was Sardak, but we've already covered Sardak. We're not going to yeah, talk yeah. more about Sardak. Sure. So I got 20 Volrath Cabal, 18 Barony Oletnev, 17 Mentak Coalition. Yes. So we're talking about the same three factions in basically the same three yep. spots. So right. now we just have to decide what order do these go into. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Vulwraith Cabal, I mean, gosh, that is the faction that we sort of I, infamously. I don't even know if people cared about these episodes. Maybe it's not infamous, but like we were like, let's go back to the drawing board on Cabal. And we were so bored by the answer we found being like, there's nothing here <laughs> that we stopped doing it. Like we we basically gave up yeah. on Cabal because it was so deeply unimpressive and and so just like there's nothing to say about it they they can build a lot of plastic and hopefully that does something for them i suppose yeah i mean i think i think cabal i mean there's a reason cabal is in this chunk and not the bottom chunk yeah um it's in it's the top of my bottom six yes so it's not like the kit 
is so bad that we just think it belongs in the dumpster and that it's nasty. But I also think that there's something particularly frustrating for me personally about a Volwraith Cabal game that I have not been able to recover from. And I feel like that was a big factor in the difficulty we had with wanting to talk about Cabal. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like I was just having to play a faction a whole bunch that I did not uh, want to play that I did not like. Yeah. I feel like they have, um, they're sort of Arborek V2 is yeah. like how I would describe them. Mm-hmm. They, they feel like part of their strength is this kind of production steroids thing that they have going on. But they also, you know, whereas Arborek doesn't really have much of a movement opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, Cabal does with the Grav Rift plus one on the space docks. Yep. But I find that Oftentimes it feels like their games are really dependent on like tempo in a way that uh, can just be really obnoxious. Like the idea that their games, like they need someone to pick construction. Yep. And if no one does, then they have to pick it regardless of speaker order. That can be quite damaging because there might not be any structure objectives, which means most other players at the table are going to be quite happy right to just ignore that they're a, they're a rare case of they do have this like pretty good power but it's actually we don't talk enough about the cost of that power i think that's something we talk a lot about with yin brotherhood where it's like all of yeah. their powers cost you something and that's why it's not right. very good cabal you only get the benefits if you invest in space stocks and it's a little bit like well you should like you should have one for everybody should have one forward dock but the notion that I mean, some factions don't get that forward dock and still do well. Whereas Cabal, it's like, if you don't get those all three of those space docks out, I don't know what you're doing, brother. I don't right. I don't know what you're meant to, to be doing. I think for me, Cabal is a little higher on my list because I don't I do like playing them. However, doesn't mean I've won with them much. <laughs> I'm just I, it, I, they feel more comfortable to me. So mm-hmm. um, similar to your Sardak bias, I think I have a Cabal bias. That's just like I I like that kit. A little bit more because it sort of fills my own personal gaps um right. but that doesn't mean uh it leads to like a winning faction and well, i let's I, talk about them versus yes. barony then because barony is kind of like the um well most boring faction in right. twilight imperium right now which is sad because they're really cool yeah but i feel like when i play barony i just feel like they didn't get the the tools that they got in pok are just kind of like yep yeah, okay yeah. Um, but kind of, I don't know. They're just kind of underwhelming. It's an underwhelming experience. It's yeah. really that, that, that leader suite yes. leaves a lot to be desired. Right. You have the commander that is giving you a trade good every time you sustain damage. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We got a cool mech. We have a useless agent, which is a bummer. Right. It's not useless. It's just like very like you yeah. have to do combat, which means we're not even going to be using it until the, towards the end of the game anyways. Right. right. By the time we start using it, it is of just not that effective yep um especially compared to a lot of other things in the barony kit um and then we have a hero that just to me is, is just very blah right. it's just like oh who who cares we turn off fleet pool yeah or one round and set know. ourselves up for disaster usually <laughs> yeah. like the average barony play is like i'm doing this because i either win this round or i don't oops i didn't win this round looks like i'm dead now, actually like round six barony more often than not is not even close to in the running right they maybe right. had a shot in round five they they went for they, they like pulled all of their tokens out of fleet to go for this crazy thing 
it didn't pan out and then in the status phase they lose all of their ships on the board and it's over <laughs> or whatever yeah uh so yeah i the the hero is almost like a uh you should not use it because it could make you do bad things um However, their best thing at this point is Dunlane Reaper. And Dunlane Reaper, cool. I yeah. think they're round one. I mean, six resources at home round one is something I never like to bulk. Like that, that sure, means something great. to me. Uh, blue text start. Uh, and, you know, if you can get it online, which isn't if, but if you can get like an NES Duranium, even just NES online, like that stuff works really well, I think, and, and can lead to um, Baronies being in incredibly strong positions if they have the points to back it up, right? Like, they can defend right. themselves if they can score the points, which is not necessarily always the case. I don't think they're usually, like, really far behind. But, you know, I I certainly think um, they're actually above Cabal, just despite what my weird list mm. uh, slapdashedly said. Mentak is a... Maybe it, I, I'll, I'll want to talk more about the two of them, but I do think... Um, Barony and Mentech probably both go above Cabal because I think there's just innate qualities to them that where it's like even if Barony's kit isn't amazing, it is all for free. <laughs> I just get those things. Like I just yeah, I just have true. that stuff. I you know maybe I'm not using war uh, munitions reserves or whatever. I'm not using like uh, right war funding got updated not that long ago and it is better, but still not like wildly used, but still has its uses. But it, uh, the whole point is all that stuff is free. And Cabal's kit is not free. You have to invest in Cabal for it to ever be worth it. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I was like almost convinced that we should put Cabal above Barony because of potential payoff. Mm -hmm. But you are right. Barony just kind of does like kind of just does a decent job right. by default. Barony is like um, bad nomad, right? Where it's yeah, like sure. they're, they're just yeah. sort of sitting there and like existing and sort of collecting money. Barony just collects a lot less money <laughs> and doesn't right. have a flashy end game. Right. It's true. They they kind of they have gotten to a point now where that end game doesn't have the doesn't have that kind of flexibility that yeah. you want to see of a faction that just has like a myriad of advantages. Right. Um, they kind of just like we're good at fighting. It, it's in the, the thing air. where they they f actually feel like a vanilla faction. Like they feel like this is the sort of standard of what a faction could be. And the reality is, POK turned everything into some sort of wacky, crazy superpower. Oh yeah, everything yeah. above this set is like, well, these are factions that just have some some sort of crazy tool that just give them all these insane advantages. And Barony, I don't think there's really weaknesses to Barony. It's just that there's no strengths, right? Yeah, so it's funny that you say that because um, I'm going to borrow a term from uh, our other show. I, I said a Mendoza line yes. for this list, and I said it at Barony of Letnev, um, yeah. as in it's underneath Barony of Letnev. So right. Barony would be the first above the Mendoza line. If you don't know what a Mendoza line is, I kind of forgot. It's like <laughs> it's it, a I think it means thing. like it's it's the average it's it is like the number you need to have to to be good enough basically that's a really yeah. bad summary it's like anybody under the mondoza line is actually like performing poorly it's it's not right. like a it's not the mean <laughs> right but it is it's like the mark of quality yeah i would say everything everything barony of letnev above on my list i would say is good faction like unequivocally good like i can't come up with a bunch of easy scenarios where they're just going to do poorly no matter how you shake it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I do think Cabal has that. So, yeah, I think maybe it should be Cabal number 19. Yes. And then Barony number 18. Yes. Um, 
that's where I'm Which, at. We should talk about Mentak versus uh, Barony for a second, though, because it's probably... We should. We know that all all three of these exist in this same little spot. So for me, uh, Mentak is, is like just under Barony, if only because, t- to me, it's that same argument of like Sardak versus Winu, where for me, Barony it just like has this consistency to it, to it where uh, Mentak does not necessarily... Like, I, I wouldn't mind Barony being above Mentak because... I think Barony can work itself into a position where they're just a part of the running in a round five. If everybody's just sure. got a chance to win, Barony can be in that, and Barony can be very, very hard to stop. Whereas Mentak accrues heat all game and doesn't have a late game. They have a hero that gets to pop once, and that hero is ridiculous. Like we've been under, people have been underselling that hero for a long time, and it's actually like. Not I've, me. I, well, I, sure. been I said it, people. You're not a person. Uh, so yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm a computer. <laughs> the the Mentak have this one amazing thing, but I don't think the rest of their kit favors them for late game power. Outside mm. of obviously, they have mirror computing, right? Eh, and that's a yeah. huge that's thing. Two amazing things. It's, Matt. it's a big. Two amazing. I know. Things. It's two amazing things. Is is their hero and mirror computing? And I'm not. I'm not like shrugging that off. But I just think that there is still a uh, an issue when Mentak is at the table that they're not getting the good side of anything. There's nobody with them. There's nobody helping them out, which means they're not a part of boat floating very often. I think they have trouble. They have that. They have their agent now that sort of sometimes gets like one. They just decide to like kind of pillage one person all the time because it's like, listen, sure. we're going to do some action cards. But I don't think that's that big of a benefit. Like I don't think that necessarily gets them anywhere meaningful. So. For me, I just feel like a Mentak game can stall out at eight so much more often. And then it's like, did spend 16 resources come out? Oh, cool. These trade goods are actually going to do a lot. But I think if if you were banking on an economic objective for mirror computing and it doesn't come out, I don't know that those trade goods like immediately turn into the power you need to score whatever else is out there on the table. You can't turn it into meaningful plastic fast enough. Mentech has difficulty having meaningful plastic because the cruiser ability isn't that good. So then what are we going for? Like what what is actually like a powerful Mentech fleet? I don't know, fourth moon and a couple cruisers and and it still gets stomped by like a lot of other stuff on the board. I feel like Mentech usually has like not that convincing of a board presence. Yeah, well, I I got to disagree very strongly <laughs> with everything you just said. Um, I think that Mentech is one of the few factions where we can talk about War Sons with an amount of utility that mm-hmm. actually makes sense. I'm convinced by Mentech War Sons. Yeah. Um, I'm convinced by Extra War Sons as well. We haven't talked well, about sure. Extra yet, but yeah. um, but Mentech War Sons uh, uh, also convinced me for very similar reasons that the Extra does. I think that in a situation where economic objectives come out obviously mentech has an easy time with mirror computing sure and in in a situation where those objectives do not come out mentech can switch to war sons and i feel like mirror computing is kind of guaranteed to pay off in that way now you have to be flexible and you have to you have to be able to uh get these war sons out and make use of them but like there are a lot of situations where you can do that if sling relay is is out there okay. is an option so we're talking about a, a mentac coalition that goes ai dev into war sons hopes mm-hmm. for a blue skip into sling relay like that's that's our tech i mean i guess maybe we just barely have absolutely. time for DET so we, so and we sling have relay we, we we if you're if you'll let me throw skips into it then absolutely let's get, <laughs> well, let's sure. get a yellow skip as well while we're at it <laughs> um yeah i'm not saying that i'm not saying that 
that that is unimpeachable. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're at seventeen. Sure. Like we're t- we're talking about seventeen versus eighteen of here. Course, we're, of we're course. We're in we're in the lower rankings. I just think that the the ceiling for Mentec is much higher than the ceiling for Barony, and I think that lowered potential is why I feel that Barony just isn't as yeah. good hmm. because even a well played Barony can just kind of stall out and be nothing. Whereas Mentec has so much potential energy in the kit yeah. that. I've seen, I've just seen so many games where a Mintac won uh, by locking the game down in a way that I've never really seen that with Barony. I've seen Barony win by staying in the pack, and then it kind of a couple things worked out for them. Yeah. I've seen Mintac be like, "Okay, well, Mintac is about to win. Is there anything we can do about it?" Nope. And then hmm. game's over. That's so. I just don't feel like I. I don't feel like I've seen the same where it's just like outside of the spend sixteen resources or whatever. But I. I. I feel like the men. The decision to build the mentac the cheap mentac war sun with mirror computing because that's the other like we have to go all the way down yellow right, look, and get it. i'm saying yeah, it, it yeah. comes out too late doesn't it like i got it comes, i got you you I build for you because you're, so much you're talking about you're talking about i haven't seen it yeah. which is not not true you're just not remembering N- give me let's so let's play a little game draft me your team of excellent barony of letnevs and i will draft you a team of excellent Mentech coalition players. I mean, I can look at the tournament oh, and, and tell you chocolate. No, nope, you cannot look at the tournament. You have to remember <laughs> it. If you don't remember it, then why do I care? Why would I care about your thoughts on this faction? Well, you number, can't even remember number the times one, that you've seen it do well. The number one on my list is Duke Lukem, and and I've talked with Duke Lukem many times about the power Duke of Duke Lukem doesn't think Barony is very yes, good. Yes, he does. So. No, he, he think, doesn't. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I can't, now we're just I, talking about what other people have said. <laughs> he also won with them. When did he win? In, in, the, in the tournament. <laughs> yeah. All right, fine. Okay, so you got one. You got anything else? Is that all you have? You have one person? You, you're you playing you an one un- person and they happen hey, to be one of the best Twilight Imperium players of all time. You're playing an you're unfair game makes- because, hey, let me let me list for you all of the winners I've ever remembered. Oops, end of list. My memory sucks. Right, <laughs> this so your memory sucks. Game. So why should we believe anything you say? You're because just that's lying the game here you to just the people. Made. Oh my God. You are lying to the people. All right. All right, but you got... Because, see, that's the only thing I got, too, is Duke Lukem. That's all I got. Uh-huh. But Mentech players, and Mentech plays I can think of that I've seen, you got to go to Humble Checkmate, you got to go to Teddy. They're both mm-hmm. excellent Mentech players, and they both won multiple games in the tournament at this point as Mentech. Actually, as Humble... Yeah, Humble's won more than one yeah. tournament game as Mentech. Um, it's... That's that's like four wins I can kind of come up with off the top of my head. I think Teddy played Mentech. No, Teddy did not play Mentech twice. So actually, I only have one Teddy win in my head. Sure, but they were they were very interesting. I mean, like it it. I remember in tournament three watching Teddy's prelim game and him play as Mentech, and he played so well that I in the back of my head was like, I I think yeah, I think this person might win the whole tournament. That was from the prelim. Sure. I had here's, that thought. Here's what I'll happened. do. Here's what I'll do. Whatever. I don't want to. I don't. I want to move on. Mentech can go. Can go above Barony. No, no, no. But, but no, no. I, listen, 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 listen. I, I, I have a point here. I have a point here. Okay, I'm gonna yeah, let go it go ahead. above. But I only allow it on the conditions of mirror computing being really good. I do not. I currently do not buy into the War Sun Mentech stuff. I think that's too mirror computing plus War Suns plus you threw in Sling Relay. Like I think we're joking at that point. Um, but nah. like I do think mirror it's computing doable. is ridiculous it's and it's good. So I, I I will I will just for now allow it because I don't nothing in Barony's kit compares to mirror computing and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, 
So, that's number 18, Barony. Number 17, Mentat Coalition. What about, what do we do from here? Oh what's, my gosh. What's next? It gets so much harder from yeah, here. Yeah, it's about to get so much harder. Do we want to take a break now before sure. we get into the really hard stuff? Yeah, okay. absolutely. All right, Hunter. Uh, so, so far, I think we've had a pretty scientific method here. Uh, and, and, and the listeners might have... Um, misconceptions about how the rest of this list is going to go because we've been oh, yeah. we've been in relative agreement and been able to make some just sort of like nuanced arguments about like why something is better than something else yeah absolutely but now the real absolutely. game begins the rest of this yeah. list is a game and you and i are going to have to start um making trades and offers <laughs> in in exchange for other things to move and shake around each other uh because there is no way i mean i'm looking at at my stuff and I don't feel strongly about anything from like six to sixteen. Like the the, the eleven factions, I'm like, I mean, whatever. That stuff could be anywhere <laughs> for, right. for all I care. So, uh, what's I, I guess what's your next like chunk? If you if you felt like there was a well, new sort of dividing line, is there? Is let's there just a spot do them one you? at a time because for yeah. all we know, we are in agreement. Sure. So. Okay. All right. So my number sixteen. Yeah. Is L1Z1X. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, what is it, yours? My number 16 is Argent Flight. Oh, okay. That's pretty close to where yeah. I put Argent Flight and my, as well. My okay. L1Z1X is 14. So so we're we're very close okay. on both of those. Okay. Um, so why why do you think Argent Flight? Well, first off, I I have even though the numbers seem crazy to me, Argent Flight were were in a lot of games this year and lost the overwhelming majority of them like nobody yeah, sure, had a sure. year like argent did so f there's a part of me that's just like i can't overlook that like some of that's going to be bad luck whatever but if i'm going to say mahawked has actually proven itself to be good and last year was just sort of a fluke year argent's having a fluke year but that also still means there's something wrong and for me argent flight is a stellar solid faction that a lot of the times completely stalls out at nine and just gets gets nowhere else i've seen i've seen it enough times this year where it's just like their ability to get bonus points is not in the same category as a lot of other factions yeah i don't know i feel they are really interesting though because there's a lot of situations where they end up getting custodians round one which mm -hmm. i think is an interesting potential yeah especially for a faction that struggles with bonus right points now how often do they achieve that not super often, although it does seem to happen whenever I'm in a game and I end up with <laughs> politics round one, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'm going to get custodians, and then that's the game that Argent figures out how to do it. Yeah. Um, and then of course nobody cares because everyone else is just like, well, if I'm not getting it, I don't really care if Argent gets it or right. the politics person. Um, but yeah, so I I feel a little bit weird about that as far as your argument goes mm. i think that they have a remarkably cheap kit which yes. i love that they get so many things done for so little money for sure um the thing i don't like about them is their home system obviously is yep. just trash it, yep. it being three is really obnoxious and i definitely actually have seen uh coordinated argent uh, wind slays now. Yep. yep. Um, I think one of the reasons that they performed as well as they did in tournament three is that there was, um, you know, their, their kit is a little more straightforward. It's a little easier to grasp yeah. what is good about what they do. Right. Um, but okay. So let's, let's compare them though to L1Z1X. My net, I love the L1. And by yes. the way, on my own personal ranking, 
right, uh, right, L1 right. would be in my top five, probably. Yeah, sure. Um, but this is just generally speaking, I think that they've kind of gone a little bit the way of Barony of Letnev, with one major exception mm-hmm. being that they have a Winslay hero. Yes. Um, and that's quite cool. And when that pops off, that does really well for them. The problem with being good at Winslaying is it's not actually much of a factor into your own success. Right. 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 Um, I feel like everything else about L1Z1X is merely good, not necessarily great. I think there's they're essentially a faction that has gotten worse because every other faction yep. got better. Right. Basically. Right. Um, so their their kit, well, interesting. Um, and and yeah, so for example, they got um <laughs> It was like, hey, uh, the the problem with L1 in base game is that if you build PDS and they can't use their bombardment ability, well, we'll give them a commander that fixes that. But also, we'll give everyone mechs. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like, right? It's like, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So now it feels like Hero, definitely a good ability, mm-hmm. strong ability, even. Yep. Um, and uh, an ability that is useful when you need it is still a useful ability, by the way. I hate to refer back to a very old argument I've had with someone, but I think that Harrow has maybe suffered in that it it means that we're not using it as much because so often we're like, okay, this big fight here Mm -hmm. needs to be won on the ground as well, and what if they just have too much resistance yeah basically right um and can we get enough of our own ground forces to where we need to go in order to win that fight and last round after round for hero to kind of finish it up for us um it can be a little a little bit tricky um and i think there's a lot of factions most of the factions that i rate above l1 uh i would say is because they have an economic element to their advantage yeah um, like a lot of factions have an economic element to their advantage. Right. And L1 just sort of don't. Right. Um, they have a five resource home system. That's cool. I don't need resources. Yeah. Okay. Right. I could win a game with no resources. Right. If I also, it at this point, a five resource home planet is like the most awkward thing ever because how often awkward, do you huh? burn yeah. that dollar on tech or whatever? And you're, you're spending five bucks on tech or whatever. It my, does happen. My, my yeah. comparison for these two is L1 has a as a rougher early game but like usually a very strong late game they have options on the table and Argent I feel like has a really strong early game and doesn't necessarily always have answers in the late game they can I mean they have movement right they've got yeah. these destroyers that get around and they have that defensive thing of if they did get strike wing alpha 2 which I've actually seen surprisingly less of recently like people just aren't going for strike wing alpha 2 which I think is a little bit odd um but when you do have it I think that's a huge defensive bonus that people should be considered. It's like so hard to come into Argent space with Absolutely. carriers and not lose all of your infantry or whatever like that. That's extraordinarily difficult. Um, but I, I just see it as Argent either had the win in their sights or they didn't very little in their late game, like turns that on for them. And like you described L1's ability as a good win slay ability. And I agree, but I do think there are, there are opportunities for L1's hero to also net them advantages and objectives and things like that like i think the l1 hero we we see points out of it the argent hero gets you points in like the most absurd strange scenarios and outside of their hero there's no trick there's no thing it's it just feels like you had a year done i i think the most notable stuff from tournament three that i can remember in terms of argent play like think about teddy 
Teddy want as Argent, but like how? Because Teddy like bamboozled half the players into not really doing anything. T- Teddy was able to reap the benefits of the good early game and coast that into yeah. a late game win. And that's not because of the power of Argent necessarily. So yeah. that's the kind of win I think Argent looks for. And that's why we didn't see it this year is because everybody's figured out Argent a little bit more, knew they were powerful, and that's quite stoppable. Whereas L1, I didn't, I just don't see that argument uh, as well. Although, I mean, it's like, it's not like L1's win rate was good this year. It, it was not hardly any better. Uh, it was at 8%. These two right. are both factions that performed worse than most of the stuff we've already talked about. But yeah, it's stuff that last year and in years prior has always done better. So this was a weird year for these two factions, maybe. I, I was looking at L1's wins, too, and most of the wins that they got were, like, from very experienced, like, very good players. Right. Which I would almost consider, like, sort of a point against a faction. Sure. If I want to feel confident in a faction's performance, I if I, I shouldn't recognize the names. You know sure. what I mean? Like, because, like... I don't know. There's some play like Mantis could win with any of these factions, and right. I wouldn't. That wouldn't make me feel anything about <laughs> about the faction. <laughs> yeah, like I wouldn't be like, oh well, everything's changed with Arborek because Mantis got a win with, or because Andra got a win with Arborek. It's uh-huh. like, yeah, no, whatever. Yeah. Like these people are just good at the game. It right. doesn't. It doesn't change my perspective on the the faction too much. Yeah. Um. I think Planet Earth also got a win yes. with L1. Um. Yeah. No. Doesn't or, doesn't yeah, move yeah, the yeah. needle for me. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think I I think you're onto something here. I want to ask you this: What's yeah. your number fifteen? So my number fifteen, I have no idea how I actually feel about this. This is very much in my area of like I'm just sort of shooting a shot. I put Council Calaris as fifteen. Ooh, I know. I, I assumed. I assumed because you put a lot more work into Council Calaris. I knew your Council Calaris was going to be way higher. So I was going to ask you the same question: What's your fifteen or your my fifteen whatever. is my fifteen is actually Empyrean. Um, I feel like Empyrean is. Whoa! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I. I'm. I'm not so hot on Empyrean these days. I feel like the, the uh, whole like map placement. Oh my god, the face you're making right now is so crazy. Yeah. Uh, the whole map placement is so central to our ability to mm-hmm. do the things that we need to do. Mm-hmm. It just isn't. It's just worn out. It's welcome with me. I don't really find it to be that wow. cute or interesting. Um, I think that that their their ability to like explore and then find mm-hmm. meaningful tempo out of the frontier deck has really been hurt by the frontier okay. deck growing in any way. We we got to come back to an Empyrean conversation, I think, cuz it's not it's not going to be Where wait wait, where do you put Empyrean? I don't want to talk about that yet. Oh my god, is that <laughs> is it like your number 1? It's not number 1, but it's not it's I just don't want to talk about it yet. Let's find can we just kind of burn through some I want to find a common ground we might have around this area cuz I mean, so far it seems like it's definitely just between L1 and Argent, but I think we're both looking for a third right. faction to what's enter your, this what's conversation. Your number 14? Uh, what's well, your number 14? Four, 14 is L1 for me oh, okay so that's yeah, why yeah, like yeah. these are really close where is your where is your argent exactly my argent is 13 okay so next that's up for the, me next up for me is federation of soul that's i got that one okay that's my number so 14. that's our third faction in this conversation so maybe okay. with with these three we can come up with just sort of a pecking order of the three of them l1 argent and soul now for me soul sort of easily ekes it out over these two so maybe it doesn't solve our problem necessarily um because for me soul is just like so autopilot for the early game blue green you get exactly what you get it's good advanced carrier two rules and then that hero is like 
actually completely incredible and so good and so like i'm almost afraid soul is too low on my own list except for the fact that also soul is like barony level boring <laughs> and just like whatever not it's like not that uh, uh overwhelming of odds generally speaking but i just think their whole kit points towards 10 points way more reliably and way more obviously than l1 or argent yeah i think i put them below argent on my list because i feel like argent does such a good job of like locking down an advantage that that no one else has mm -hmm. like airy hollow lattice sure. is just kind of like a magic trick of and then now that can't happen yeah yeah um, whereas like soul while their hero it, it is fantastic and it's a crazy thing to have access to every time it it is essentially like the warfare primary but on another level but sure. the warfare primary if planned correctly can essentially accomplish the exact same yeah. thing that the that the soul hero can now right. that's in an offensive way actually you can use warfare primary defensively as too too so it sort of has the same principle right um so in that way i don't see soul's hero as an end-all be-all argent ain't even got a hero as far as i'm concerned <laughs> but argent does have a really good commander yes um, maybe one of the best commanders yeah um and i feel like that goes a long way in me determining like okay like does their kit reliably spit out a result that i like soul is just generally good at yeah. everything but i kind of feel the same way about l1 so for sure. me i kind of just think of those two as being cut from a very similar cloth yeah um and i feel like arjun is actually excels at something interesting so what about this what if we kind of agree on the three of them being in a cluster mm -hmm. with Argent splitting the difference? So which of these two do we think is is possibly worse than Argent? Yeah. I'll grant you that like Solar L1 are more consistent yeah. than Argent. Right. Um, yeah. But I think Argent has some interesting uh, advantages that the other two just, they don't really have their own thing. Right. That is like, yeah. oh, well, only only L1 has this flavor of thing or only soul has this right. flavor of thing. Like literally L1 is like, we're good at bombardment. And then the Barony flagships like, yeah, me too. And then yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the Sardak exo trireme two is like, yeah, also us totally. like, you know what I mean? Like it's, there's sort of, there's sort of a bit of an issue there. Yeah. Um, Here, here's, here's what I'll say then. Cause I, I like this meta play of like, let's, let's slap Argent in the middle and then kill our darlings between the other two. Yeah. Um, so in that situation, I'm fine with letting L1 go under Argent. And mostly that's about, about wanting soul to be above Argent. And, and here's okay. my, here's my case for it because outside of everything else, um, L1, like you said, there's not like an economic engine here. They have that new, they have their note that's just like, I don't know, here's just this like thing that is worth yeah. exactly this, right? It's right. just like, it is worth exactly this and you probably sell it every round. It's and that's literally it. worth one cookie. Yeah. It's essentially just a <laughs> right. one, and that doesn't change their economic no, standing. No, exactly. Really. And, and it's two commodities and it's not good. Argent Flight is what, three commodities? And their promissory note is like, situationally sellable their commander is something usually somebody kind of wants is fine is good soul uh their note some games you see that note pop off right even if yeah. it's a dollar per sale you do it like six sure. times yeah, yeah. in a round or whatever uh and their commander i think i think it's actually a moderately desired 
as desirable as Argent's alliance, right? The two of them are sort of together. And then Sol can occasionally sell that agent as well. And Sol has four commodities that are routinely dealt with, is, is answered. Right. Especially because Sol has Gravity Drive, Advanced Care Shoe. They get out on the map. They have people to trade with. They, they solve problems. They have a great round one, just like Argent does. But so for me, if we are just going to decide Argent's in the middle, Sol is the one that comes out on top. And I'm fine with L1 falling under Argent in this situation. Okay, that's a good compromise. So it would be number 16 is L1Z1X, number 15 is Argent Flight, and then number 14 is Federation of Soul. Yep, okay. We're not even halfway through all of these factions. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. We're doing it. We got yeah. it. I mean, it's the end of the year. They sure. get some special episodes. Yeah. We always treat them so good during the <laughs> holiday season when it's like, yeah, don't you understand? We are actually busier than ever because we're trying to enjoy our holidays and then also deliver you this content. But it, I and like... Prep a tournament. I, it literally makes me feel more like it makes me joyful yeah, to do like special episodes yeah. like this. This is the best uh, episode because, of the year, just to be clear. Yeah, this is this is my favorite fun. one every year. Uh, okay. okay, we okay. got it. We got it. We need to. I think what we next need to do is just determine a chunk, and I don't know if that's three factions or six factions or what, but we have to find some sort of common ground well, okay. amongst whatever's next. Okay, so thus far, as far as our individual, we've been pretty consistent thus far. We've sure. got two outliers between the two of us. I, I ranked fifth, Empyrean 15. Yep. You ranked Empyrean somewhere else. You ranked uh, Calera's 15. 15, uh, and I ranked Calera's somewhere else. So let's talk about each other's like 12, 12 yeah. 11, and 10. Sure. So for me, uh, 12, 11, 10 is Nasroka, Extra, Necro. I'll just I'll throw Ooh. it there. There's there's my three. Oh right my there. god. Okay, so we it's gonna be hard going yes. from here on out. It sucks. So my number twelve <laughs> is extra. So we've at least okay. got extra kind of in the same trunk. Okay. And then my eleven is Calaris, which actually that maybe isn't that's, that big of a deal. That's, yeah. That's close enough. Yeah, that's um, that's and right then, here. Yeah. I mean that. This yeah. Is, we're, and we're, then my number ten is Hakan. Um, okay. Um, and I have Necro wildly up uh, okay. compared to to that. Okay. We're not um, gonna talk about Hakan right now. Uh, that will not okay, be okay. So Hakan's like your number one or your number two. Um, so so let's talk about extra because extra yeah. and Calaris. Yes, um, these these two get to hang out down here. I think for sure. Yeah. Um. Now to to lead off with Calaris. Listen, I personally am still just missing a lot of information as Calaris. I didn't focus on Calaris for a guide, and Calaris is not showing up in games I'm playing. When when I do play, right. I've played with Calaris. I think two or three times. And I've seen them do exceptionally well once, and the other two, non-factor. Things just didn't get online for them. So that's a little right. bit my feeling on why Council Claris falls into this area. And compare that to Extra, new Extra, with this new hero, it's so... I mean, both of these factions are so early to tell, right? That's going to be the difficulty of this whole conversation, is like, these are both sort of new behemoths, maybe. But I do think that hero for Extra is a much bigger deal than anything Claire's has. However, I do recognize there are games where the hero for extra doesn't come out till maybe round three. God yeah. forbid round four. I can't even imagine that level of disaster. But but a round three hero uh, for extra is well, round three is quite, actually pretty fast. Like I that's, that's yeah that's pretty good. If you get if you get it out round three, that's fine. That's like the round, consistent thing that should happen, I guess. If, yeah. I, I mean I mean in, in two like is good. Status phase round sure. two. Yeah yeah. yeah that, yes okay. That, we're saying the same thing then. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah. I'm saying it pops in round two for use in round three. Yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's good. It being first accessible round four is not great, and then later than that is well you're dead in the water obviously. Um so I I do think 
the the war sun extra has proven itself to be sort of like a just like this is absolutely going to work whereas with Calares, i don't i don't necessarily know what they're like exceptionally reliable thing is yeah. yet i think yeah. that's where i why where i fall short on my analysis with them well i can tell you what the reliable thing is is that Calares always has a pretty good economy yeah um they get a lot of money just Definitely. for free just by existing yep. um they can be kind of unimpressive in this way on first blush but um at the beginning of like every round they just kind of get some money right. it's just like here's money yep um and then they have this this promissory note that is like the most sellable yes. promissory note of all time. It's right. it's guaranteed value. Um, I, this last game I was playing, Kaluin was was buying into the Calera's promissory note deal every single time, and eventually it just got to a point where I was just like, whatever. Like I'm not even going to try and cut in, yeah, because you just want someone to do the deal with right. you, and the deal is so standard out there. It's literally like, let's do the Calera's um, writer. It's, yeah. it's like a promissory note that acts as a writer, and just split the the the, the goodies. Yeah, that's it. It's the right. same. We're just going to do that deal forever. Right. Um, and it just makes so much sense. So. So Calera's kind of nickels and dimes into being a really strong economic faction, right. and then you pair that with two. Well, actually, we're not gonna pair it. We're gonna we're gonna. There's three trio. elements of this. Yeah. There's a trio. We're gonna triage it um, <laughs> with these other two elements. Uh, one is that Mechatol Rex. We're we have a bias towards it. Yeah. We lean towards it. We we excel at taking it. Yep. Um, having it when we need it, and then just being like, I don't care. I don't need it anymore if yeah. I don't want to have it. We can, you can, you can lock it down. You do not have to. Yeah. Um, you can just kind of steal it as well. Right. Um, and then the second thing is we've got a little bit of Mahakt Gene Sorcerer's flavor, which is I would say that Calaris excels at sort of breaking the the tempo of plastic and cardboard. Yep. In that. Polaris does such a good job of like building units and then doing something with those units right away. For sure. In in a way that makes them like super versatile. Um and like in a late game situation where they have gotten a lot of stuff figured out. I feel like Calaris actually excels at the economic early game. Yeah. And then once we get to the stage twos, they can be pretty good at almost any, right. which is what I like about them. Right. So they're a little bit weak, I would say in the early game. That's why people say like, oh, this Calera's game fizzled out. And it's like, if the wrong objectives sure. come out yep. early for Calera's, they can kind of struggle to get things done because they're sort of like Mentac in that they're like, we really love our faction tech and we would like to kind of get all of those, right. please. So if, if, if anything comes out that deters them from that, I feel like that can be really obnoxious. Right. Uh, I, I think those mechs too and, and sort of the flagship are just this like little cherry on top of defensive. It, not that it's like, I'm not going to oversell it. I think I did initially think that the mechs were ridiculous and, and we've seen that they're mostly fine, but they're certainly yeah. some kind of deterrent. But if we're comparing, if we're directly comparing Calaris to Excha, Calaris has sort of that prisoner's dilemma style economy where it's like you're making your money somewhere. Someone's going to buy your stuff and you're going to you're going to churn it out. Whereas right. Extra can truly be on their own. I have seen the games where everyone at the table is like, actually, we totally understand that Extra, if we let them get away with stuff, will just tear us to shreds. Yeah, and I exactly. see we you see people put pressure early on Extra and that's all it takes to keep them in line. So yep. I, I definitely think this next year is gonna and this like this upcoming tournament is gonna prove that like extra are fine the hero is pretty stupid but if you if you just pay attention to them and and just keep 
them in check a little bit, their early game is bad enough that you can do something about them. So I am like completely content to let Calaris go above Xcha here. I, I I was my my Calaris ranking came mostly from lack of uh, of awareness of them and seeing them in games. Okay, so that's All twelve right, well, Calaris and thirteen Xcha. I think. All right, cool. So thirteen Xcha, twelve Calaris. We got we got to talk about number 11 but we've kind of reached the point where it's all it's getting pretty sloppy getting messy yeah it's getting Uh, messy here yeah you know so uh, um what we what stuff we haven't addressed for me yet is my number 12 nasroka which i assume is is uh quite a bit higher for you quite Uh, a bit necro which generally i know is quite high for you i do think necro the thing we've realized about necro is their their early game can suck (laughs) can just be like so bad that it uh it's really hard to turn around especially for the the argument with necro has always been in an amazing player's hands they're like so crazy good but in like medium and lower players hands it's hard to even get them online um so i don't it depends on i guess what our metric is I want to push back a little bit. I don't think it's that hard to yeah. get Necro online. They have a lot of built-in stuff. Well, especially now, just, right? PO, post POK, it's like an agent that just is like, here's here's money. value. Yeah, like yeah. it's... <laughs> just get money, yeah. and then you're fine. Right. Um, you already... and you, you kind of come into the game being like, oh, okay, so I have to follow politics? That's kind of weird. And then someone's like, well, you don't have to follow tech because you can't even yeah. get tech that way. And then you're like, oh, okay. Actually, suddenly I kind of have I can just do everything whatever. I need. I just have to follow politics. And yeah. then when you follow politics around one, sometimes you get a good action card. Yeah. And then, wow, we're maybe we're making even extra money on top of everything. Right. So I feel like it. their, their game to me makes sense. It's like, sure. yes, the start is bad, but it's very fixable. Right. Um, I feel like... I don't know what Nasroka. I'm I'm, just, I'm I'm working on setting stuff aside, so I'm trying to figure out where else we can shift this conversation. Essentially, well, let's, let's hear. So, so I I read up my number ten, which was Hakan, which your Hakan ranking is much higher. Let's talk about our number nines. Yep. Uh, this is where my universities of Jolnar falls. Wow, we yeah. are not seeing this very nope. similar, buddy. So my number nine is Titans. What? Where's your Titans? Uh, two more up. Number seven is titans for me so maybe maybe titans can hang that's, out somewhere that's down here close to, co- to yeah. consensus yeah so the thing that we're missing that that so my empyrean is still ranked at number 15 on my list yep uh, um wh- where is empyrean on your list let's just hear it number three okay yeah. that's kind of funny because i ranked nasroka number two okay and you ranked at number 12 and so Hakan, it's kind of a Hakan is my two empyrean is my three so our, our nasroka and our Empyrean and Hakan. I mean, maybe this is where that conversation has to happen then, right? Because if everything above this is stuff that we are on the same page of being a little bit better, then this disparity has to fall in the middle, right? Like we have to yeah. compromise amongst these three. Is that is it? Is it Hakan, Empyrean, and Nasroka conversation time? Is that like the next set, I wonder? I think Empyrean should be in the top 10, and so should Nasroka. Mm-hmm. I... What I'm looking for more is somebody so, okay, that is why, in... why, where Why does Hakan fall out for you? Because are you do, do you not feel like QDN gets them there enough anymore? Because to me, QDN is still this just like horrible equation you have to deal with every single time. Yeah, I just I I feel like it's it's not so much that Hakan did anything wrong. I just think that the other the factions I've ranked above them are better and have more specific yeah. advantages here's, that feel more like locked up maybe here's here's what has shaped my most recent opinion of hakan um alvi's win 
in the Invitational was a Hakan win, which was yeah. a Hakan who looks like they've got it locked up. The round five Winslay carousel did its job, right? Every th- everybody got slayed. We all did the thing. We Mantis styled it. We did everything sure. we're supposed to do. And then guess what? Hakan still had QDN next round and now nobody's got juice. That, right. that was how that game felt, which to me was just like very stark. So I don't know. Maybe I'm painted it, too much by a recency bias. We're we're not at the top ten. Actually, we're right outside of the top ten. We're actually right. at we're actually at eleven. But yep. um, I think the thing that in the in the the club of the best factions that kind of hurts a con for me that they cannot really fix is the home system. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the home system is such an Achilles heel mm-hmm. that QDN does not make up for that for me. You don't they, feel they are, you don't feel that the hero the free hero build does enough to offset that is your that's, opinion. That's a little bit too like the the hero can work out and be good and sometimes it doesn't. It mostly come down to do they have did, were they able to pick up um, war sons as well and sometimes that happens and then yeah. the hero feels quite good and sometimes they don't have war sons and then literally the heroes use and it's like. Well, actually, I can't really. This right. hero is actually kind of useless. A dread, two board. cruisers, and four fighters, yeah, or like, something stupid. Yeah, no, like it's I like agree. You get you get something for free that you're just kind of like, oh, well, this doesn't even. I mean, I could have paid for this. I still have a lot of money. <laughs> like, I, I don't. You know what I mean? Like, I've I've lived that experience yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's uh, why I put him at ten. Mm-hmm. I still I think they're a top ten faction. Mm-hmm. I just think that Achilles heel is a big one. Yeah, I mean that. I, I have exploited it myself sure. a number of times and been like, oh, we have we have to worry about this con with QDN. Yeah. Okay, well, let's all talk about it. Oh, guess what? Between all of us, we can slay the yeah. Hakan. It's not it's not that weird. Now, um, you know, in a situation where Hakan is in a game with Jolnar and they can get ahead tech tempo wise mm-hmm. as well and like be guaranteed war sons. That's a whole different ball game. Sure. But now I'm accounting for other factions. So I, I'm just like not feeling Hakan as not a top tenor. Um, so I, I'm, I just want to explore other options. Yeah. Where is your Asaril tribes? Number three. Okay. <laughs> Wait. Uh, all right. Let's, let's see. Next up, the rung Titans. That's my number nine. Okay. We, so Titans is my seven. Mm-hmm. which is just like down here in this pack. So so you and I are at the very least in somewhat of a consensus of like the relative power of Titans to things that we personally feel are better, even if those things are different for the two of us, right? We, we, right. we have different things. So maybe there's an argument that Titans is the one that falls outside of that top 10. Is Does, yeah. is, does that track maybe? Yeah. For I, Titans I to think, be 11? I think I could compromise on that. Um I am going to want to talk about Empyrean yes. at some point. But, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think a lot of these things where we have big split decisions are maybe towards the bottom of this top 10 or something of because tenor. of the disparity yeah. is there. But I right. think we have to, at the very least, for to, to make sure the top 10 is something we both are happy with, we have to yeah. we have to lob something off. So I do think... So we're, we're barely talking about Titans here. So what's up with Titans? Why, no, yeah. why does Titan, Titans fall outside of the top 10? I mean, I think I, I think originally when POK came out, we were like, Titans is really good. Absolutely. And then like, it, and then POK came out and like, people were like, no, nah, Titans is bad because nobody's <laughs> winning as Titans. Right. Um, turns out, I think it just took people a little while to figure out Titans. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff that we recognized, I think when POK came out, ended up being true. Like, right. I think we actually got it. We yeah. got the fundamental idea. It was just like, 
took people a little while to adjust. Titans yeah. is like kind of difficult to learn. Yes. Um, but we have so many interesting built-in advantages that kind of spiral out in a lot of ways. And yeah. that's that's what I really that's what I think makes a faction yeah. the best. We have a slight economic advantage with the um with the hero. Yep. Also the way that people have kind of turned terraform into yes. this uh, economic advantage in and of itself is beautiful. Terraform gets used uh, in so many different ways. If a yeah. control objective comes out, Terraform is going to get some sh shenanigans used for it. A lot of times, uh, Titans will pay someone to put Terraform on one of their planets and yeah. then take it from them. Right. It's great. Um, Terraform is good promissory note. Our leader suite is just okay, but it is useful. I like the hero. Yeah. Um, I like the agent. Uh, it definitely is just a little thing, but it can be important in some in, in sure. a close fight. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then the commander is just like a nice little cherry on top. Mm -hmm. um, our faction units are definitely enough to get us through the game. Um, and then, yeah, our yeah. I mean, I don't know, our abilities. We, we have like a handful of objectives that we just really excel at. Yep. Um, and then most of the other stuff we, we are okay at. Tech, we're not so bad. We start with two. Right. And it's a blue and a yellow, yep. you know? It's good. It's like... You can build Titans a couple different ways, and I think I, I think a lot of them are viable. Geranium is viable with Titans. Like yes. Titans has that versatility right. that I really value in the factions that I think are the best. Yeah. And the reason I think they fall just shy of the top 10 is being in that 11th position is this is as good as you can possibly be without any pizzazz. Yeah. Without anything just flashy that that brings it all home, right? It's it, right. it it's not Titans can have it locked up already, and then there's nothing you can do about them or whatever. But if they don't have it, they don't always get there. Um, right. But they're always just strong all game long. They are the the top of the pile of your baronies and souls, right? Where it's just like this stuff just works. It's like <laughs> the, the, there's four factions that are just like not flashy to me, and they run the gamut of quality, and it's like. Arborek to Barony to Soul to Titans. Those four factions are like, they do this one thing all game long, and it works about this good <laughs> per per faction or whatever. Yeah. So that's that's where Titans hits for me. Is it's they are great and they performed exceptionally well in the tournament. Uh and uh that they're great at all objectives, but it's not like they do anything you know, beyond that, the the biggest thing for me, and this is true of uh, s some stuff we'll talk about later as well, but like Titans of their many, many wins. What is it? 11 wins. Nine of them were in the qualifiers. Now, that's not like to degrade the, you know, what what it takes the to win or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even though I'm a prelims guy myself. Sure, sure. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> but the point being, it's like that when when the competition gets tougher you start to see Titans not do as well, basically, is is a little bit how they feel. To I don't me. know. I don't know how much I can, I can co-sign that. Sure. I think I like Titans a little more than you do, mm -hmm. um, uh, which is weird because I actually rank them lower. But I, I think <laughs> I think in this discussion, I think I have more positive feelings about Titans. Mm. Um, I think they have a, a good kit. I think they have some versatility. I think they are actually pretty hard to win slay. They're not yes. impossible to win slay, but it can be difficult yeah. uh, to take them down. And I think that is important. It's important to note the factions that sort of have a little bit of economy, a little bit of like, oh, they just excel at these victory points. Like, they just automatically right. get them. And yep. it's just kind of like, well, they just get that. Yeah. Um, and then are hard to win slay. That's like kind of me magic formula. Yes. That's what, I, that's what I like. I want all of those things to yeah. be true at once. Okay. Well, then let's talk about our top 10, which in no particular order is the Clan of Sar, 
the Emirates of Hakan, Empyrean, Mahat. Oh, wait, this this is your top ten? No, 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 no. In no particular order is oh, what I said. Oh, I see. Oh, <laughs> Empyre- I'm going in alphabetical order is actually the order oh, I'm I going see, in. I see. Clan Asar, Emirates of Hakan, Empyrean, Mahawk Gene Sorcerers, Nalu Collective, Nazroka, Necrovirus, Nomad, Universities of Jolnar, and Asarl. So we have to figure out how to sort the rest of these out. Now, what we've already isolated is the idea that like Hakan and Empyrean were way lower for you. Nazroka was way lower for me. Necro was a little bit lower for me. Necro was my number 10. Um, those mm-hmm. those four are currently feeling like they stand out unless you're looking at the other six and see something that you think falls just at the bottom of the top 10. But I do think the Nazroka, Empyrean, Hakan conversation is maybe where we've landed. Yeah, okay. Um, so... I feel like Empyrean then has to be number 10. The, mm-hmm. the reason I say this is because I've rated Empyrean quite low, yeah. and you've rated Hakan higher than Empyrean it's true. on your own list. Yeah, yeah. So to me, it actually kind of sounds like, because like, for me, Empyrean is just a little bit better than the Mendoza line. Yeah. Um, and I would say, like, I just think they've been hurt by this Frontier deck, man. That's like, true. I, I, that's, that's really what it comes down to for me, is I think... The, the frontier deck is less consistently delivering your secret objective mm-hmm. and i think a you know a non small amount of their advantage had to do with just constant non-traditional yeah. tempo right um and then i just really don't like that in an empyrean game if the map is set up non-favorably yeah. for them then like they just they just behave completely differently. Right. Like if Aetherstream has a different vibe, then it's not, yeah. you know, it's it's not going to work out for them so good. And then also lately, I've been seeing that like people be able to find a way to get past that flagship. We've been talking about that that yeah. flagship for a long time right. on the show as if it is impregnable. I have I have seen it go different. Yeah. Um, There's little tricks and stuff. I, I feel better about the commander these days than I do about the flagship. Those two have sort of flipped in my mind of like what's actually sure. the power, the defensive power of Empyrean. But I totally agree. Empyrean falls at 10, especially amongst these three. I, I think the power of QDN and I think the game long power of Nazroka, both of those climb above Empyrean. Even if for me, Nazroka hit lower on my total list, uh, I, I, I totally get the argument that when we're sort of bringing things together... Empyrean fa- falls lower, and and I also agree the Frontier deck is is a big change for them that uh, has to be considered and and might bear more fruit <laughs> as we go forward of just like the the idea that this is has actually hurt them, especially because I mean what three of those no five of those cards added are like advantages Empyrean are it's like you get your token back it's like I didn't care about that I wasn't even investing a token in this and you get like two more tokens back you get some trade goods it's like all of these things were stuff I was already getting as part of this deal to try to go get this frontier token so while for some factions those cards feel pretty good i would say like getting two tokens yeah. back for one is like oh phew, all right that was that's a pretty good draw from the frontier deck as empyrean specifically that's like oh come on i didn't need that at all that's the that's the opposite right. of what i was looking for so right. they're, they're very strange with the frontier deck at this point so yeah solid number 10 i also think that i might have a bias against empyrean because i used to love them yeah so I th- I think if if anybody feels like I'm crazy putting Empyrean at 15, just remember I'm actually maybe feeling a little bit better about our group. They rating. were in our top tier last year. They were like in the number one spot yeah. last year. So it's like we can you know we contain multitudes. Yeah, I've played so, I've played so many <laughs> games since then with Empyrean in it, mm-hmm. and have just felt like oh well that just didn't really yeah that kit didn't really add up to a whole lot. Right. They're just they can be kind of 
if they don't have the versatility of like aether stream getting them anywhere they just end up like kind of feeling like they're faffing about yeah i agree they're just like going to the frontier deck and they're like oh cool you got another yeah token right so you can do more of that i guess and then and then what if they just kind of run out of space like <laughs> like if other people pick up det it's such a weird it's a, such a weird place to be playing as empyrean and realizing that you're not even getting to draw that many det right. things like like yeah. that's so that's a completely different scenario yeah. i feel like yeah we're in a world where a four frontier card hero pop is empyrean is like well, hey hey come on that's pretty good champ like you, you yeah, did all, all right, right there yeah <laughs> that's not so bad and it's like man that doesn't feel like much of an advantage at all does it um okay let's talk about our two cat factions then for eight and nine uh oh, hakan God. versus nasroka um you know i talked about qdn and how i feel about it now where it's like especially i think more and more and more people are talking about round six uh in in the current meta there there is a win slay people are catching on to doing that uh for better and worse games go longer uh people get just knocked out and then somehow we're, we're moving into round six and in that situation i think hakan is like top of the class for for being able to do something in round six that nobody can deal with um so that that's my that's sort of the crux of my argument for this nasroka like the flip side of nasroka's thing is like you know the relic deck's not very good unless you are nasroka right like and, and, and then, then suddenly good. it's good right it's like the, they just have this complete opposite relationship with it because they draw sometimes six relics i was the one early on in the camp of like just go don't do like get a couple relics but then go crazy command counter central but i i think we've seen it proven out that like now nah, those relics are good enough if you just churn through them and, and start wheeling and dealing with uh fragments and get people you know work black market forgery that's like an early game advantage that i think can be really economically viable for nasroka it's just to me i i feel like so many nasroka games are a roll of the dice if those relics are gonna like finally end up somewhere or if they don't so many dice to roll it's that's true. my argument it's true is that nas you're saying you're saying yes the dice has to roll good for you which mm -hmm. by the way that's true for anybody yeah nas roca roll dice like the best i've ever seen right basically this is cody's fact, rule right nas roca is yeah. cody's rule basically yeah and i i i i am channeling a little bit of cody here i want to check with with you real quick though yeah before we do this nas roca versus hakan blood sport <laughs> We also have Necro in this grouping, uh -huh. and I didn't rate, I feel like you think I've rated Necro very, very high. I just want to let you know, I've rated Necro six okay. on my list. Okay. And where, where was Necro on your list? Ten. I think we should do Necro next, yeah. and then let the cats fight. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fine with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Necro, this whole thing of, of a moderately rough early game. That Necro, the, the thing for me that always stands out about Necro is... And this is a one in twenty draw, but the fact that Necro gets to do two in two and four colors a lot of the time is just like this thing that always annoys the the heck out of me. Where it's just yeah. like, oh, the Necro, this game's just Necros now. It's over. Sorry, everyone, pack right. it up. There's literally nothing else to do today. Um, and then obviously, like the flagship parked at home. I don't go nuts for the flagship. I feel like that I used to, which is absurd because like mechs only made the flagship better but i just feel like so many other things are going on with the necro game that it's i don't know maybe i'm just not thinking about it enough because i'm watching when i watch necros i'm watching them do so many other things and the flagship is an afterthought that does just sit at home but maybe that's what makes it so good is it's like i mean you just build it and park it and then you you'll do fine later in the game so i don't know um but yeah i i do think there's a certain level of 
you know, you've got those games as Necro where you just like don't find gravity drive for a long time and you sit around rounds one and two just like, I guess I'm making some money, but my ships aren't going anywhere and I'm not getting it. And if it was control objectives on top of that, like you have really rough games. I don't know. I, I well, first of all, I my, in my personal experience, I've never really had a rough game as Necro. Okay. Because I your kit is so dynamic that as long as you keep an open mind and you're looking at the table, you can find, I feel like, a lot to do. Uh, yeah. Your tech availability is whatever everyone else has. Right. Uh, this is a faction that no matter what is going to have some sort of access to something interesting at the table. Yeah. And you also have this very powerful self-contained economic advantage, right. uh, which is very reminiscent of Calera's. I feel like Necro just makes money. They just right. get money for existing. Yep. And they also do not have to worry about getting tech the traditional way, right. which saves them also a little bit of value that everyone else is having to invest yeah. in tech. And they swim Whereas, like, in command counters. <laughs> they yeah. absolutely drown. So Yeah, they absolutely drown in command counters. So the fact that their tempo can be a little bit messed up is kind of crazy to me. Mm -hmm. Now, they have no real like structure advantage. They got mm -hmm. nothing there. I feel like they're only as good at fighting as you know anyone else at the table except for that they sort of just get to be ahead of yeah. everyone else the fact that they've got four resources at home mm -hmm. that will get spent on plastic every single game yeah uh definitely corrects the start but then also i feel like kind of compounds the advantage yeah um in a way that i feel like allows them to be one of the more consistent like push push you around type yeah. factions yeah um we're long past the day of necro being like super aggressive up top right uh generally speaking necro is aggressive in the middle and late game yeah um but once they get there i just find i don't know there's not a lot of objectives that can come out that can be like a horrible swing for them and i yeah. feel like when you're playing as necro you feel like there's always a chance there's always a shot of something going your way now the fact that your kit is essentially all of the tech that is out there, if you can get it, yeah, um, is like I think kind of a beautiful advantage. And also, this is a big one, Matt. They don't have to participate in the agenda phase. That's pretty cool. <laughs> they get to take a break every round. They get yeah. to take a break, Matt. That's yep. cool. How fun That's is that? Pretty cool. Sometimes it costs them a, a victory cool point, but hey, whatever. Shut up. <laughs> Sometimes it costs them a victory point. Whatever, you know. Shut up. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's okay. Necro has like done consistently well in this episode every single year. Yeah. And I think that it is time for them to drift, even though they haven't drifted for me in my heart. Sure. So, yeah, put them number nine. Okay. So then is it seven and eight for the cats? Or is there anybody else we want to call out? Klanisar, Mahawked, Nalu, Nomad, Jolnar, and Asarl. Do any of those feel confidently under the grouping of Hakan and Nazroka? Well, let's talk about our number sevens and our number eights, because maybe we can get those involved. Yep. My number eight is Clan of Sar. Mm -hmm. My number seven is Nomad. Nomad sounds like a point of agreement. Then six. Uh, Nomad is my six. Uh, seven was uh, Titans. We're past that. But but in this in this range, uh, next up for me is Nomad. Okay, so maybe we throw Nomad into this Hakan Nazroka discussion mm -hmm. and kind of see. We talk about those three and kind of fill them out. What sucks is these three are like really similar factions. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like mo it's like reliable money uh, in. In Nazroka's case, I would say the defensive uh, qualities shine for me that, you know, the, I like the mechs, the flagship can do good. I, the, the two, the home system is rough. 
uh, is is quite rough, actually. Not as rough as Hakan's, but, like, that 2-1-1-2 two, one, one, two home system is, like, really awkward, and you never sure. love putting a second dock in there. So I would say they're generally just as weak at home as a lot of other factions, outside of the fact that you can plan to win in the sky with, like, a flagship and mechs. But honestly, you don't even yep. see that built as often as I think should be, basically. Uh, but compare that to Nomad, where it's, like, one planet in the home system, uh, uh, a clutch... I, th- I still think the hero is clutch in accomplishing things on the board, even if it's always felt limited. It's not like everything's moving around. It's just like this flagship popping around. But every single time I see it done in a way I wasn't expecting that's like going around cleaning up points, plus the like sort of stall fest that Nomad can find themselves in in round five, where then the hero is like doing things after a lot of people have acted. Not usually everybody, but enough relevant people. There's so many games where it's like, well, yeah, I haven't outsold a sorrow, but they're over there and I'm doing stuff over here. And there's sure. and so our our stalls aren't relevant to each other or whatever. I think the Memoria is like maybe has been a little overstated. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good uh, ability. It's a pretty good flagship. It's a pretty good advantage. I think really the strength of Nomad lies in the fact that they are economically powerful while having like a really solid start because they have a flagship out already i think that is what their real strength is i feel like the memoria 2 can kind of run out of gas in the late game and it can sort of feel like the the hero pop doesn't add up to much because it's like well what is it exactly that the memoria can hit that is going to change the math here i've seen games where, where people don't research memoria 2 at all because it's like yeah, it couldn't absolutely. come up it, there wasn't time right. for it to come up and then the, that's like a completely different end game for nomad right when when there's no memoria 2 it's just like oh well all right then <laughs> hope hope yeah. things work out for us yeah so i mean i like i like that aspect of nomad i just think that these days i really the fact that nasroka can sort of mill the deck we've seen so many games especially in the last tournament i'm thinking yeah. of that mantis game oh for sure uh, in the semifinals um where like a lot of the game became about like okay we're in the late game how do i effectively flip as many cards as possible to try and and you know clutch this win yeah i just feel like nasroka has more options right or good luck than any faction in the game. Yeah. You know what um, I want to do with this? Uh, because I, I, I ranked Nasroka uh, the lowest of these three, right? The, yeah. the Nasroka's here because you put them way high, and, and that's why they're yeah. ending up in this kind of lower lower tens area. But I here's a point I have been thinking about while you've been talking about Nasroka, is we're learning more and more and more about this poker-style push-your-luck thing. Uh, and... I think my prediction for this year's tournament and this year is like people will look back at the Mantis games of Nasroka and plenty of other. There's lots of examples actually of of this, but Mantis just had like the starkest one because it was in the semis or whatever. But I think Nasroka, even though sometimes I think they still struggle, I think they have the highest to still climb. I see the most hope in Nasroka, whereas I I see Nomad and Hakan as two factions where it's like we've kind of figured out the math on them and players can deal with that right and i don't i don't necessarily see the end of this equation for nasroka right i see it being still a thing that like metas constantly shift around because i i think it comes back to this idea that like 
Nazroka could shift into a completely different idea. You still don't have to do the relic thing. The relic thing is a great direction to go, but you could do four relics and then still start turning all of these things into tokens for like a completely different late game. Like there's still such a wide variety of options for late game Nazroka that I think we'll see more and more smart players do crazy new stuff with. I think it's that versatility, yep. like that openness to being able to play them a lot of different ways. And also, I feel like on this show, we haven't talked enough about how good the Nazroka mechs are. Yeah. They are wildly good. It's yes. crazy. They're good. They're good in the morning. They're good in the <laughs> afternoon kind of deal. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. They're just always good. Yeah. Um, I don't really care that much how we how we set up these three. Um, I would rather put Nazroka above Nomad because yep. I realize what the argue the I like the direction you're going here of you know Nazroka it's more about the future Nomad it's more about we've already we already really yeah. know how to play Nomad right um you know where will Nazroka be in the future I think that maybe it's a little more interesting to to rate something based off potential versus yeah. like just kind of a known exact quantity I so maybe I number 8 is Nomad number 7 is Nazroka yeah, I mean, I, I was even willing to throw a bone for Hakan. Like, we, we can decide Nazroka goes above Hakan if you want. I want, all I wanted is Hakan to be above Nomad. Um, so, depending on how you feel, between, again, between the cast, we basically found a scenario to get Nomad underneath the two of them. But, uh, you know, for me, that QDN is still a late game powerhouse, even in game, like, even in games where Hakan, uh, isn't necessarily going to use it it's still like an equation on people's minds and people will misplay around qdn just because it's it exists sure. i mean we see yeah. we see qdn get misplayed as well and that's a whole other topic but but like people do crazy things because qdn exists on the board and it just completely shakes up the round five scenario where things are so unpredictable it's it, the, you know that's why like wind slaying happens it's just because it's like i don't know speaker took politics what do you want from me <laughs> things got crazy I, I well because you have to remember I I rated Hakan number ten yes and we're talking about rating it number like seven or right. no eight not or eight seven yeah, six eight eight seven six so so if Hakan is number six that's not that different from where I rated it sure um I am okay with giving Hakan the edge versus Nazroka because UDN is such a wild advantage yeah but that's the only reason. That's the only mm -hmm. reason I'm going to give it that. Uh, and that's and the only thing, that's the only leg I'm standing on. <laughs> so I, I would like to, I, I would it. love to revisit the cats versus cats discussion uh, after another tournament. For sure. Um, and I want to strongly be seen as a visionary um, <laughs> for saying that Nazroka is better uh, than Hakan once we inevitably prove that that's true. Right, right. Um, so that's, that's what I'm looking at. So, Absolutely. So that would be... So what we just did was number eight is, well, actually, let's do number 10 is Empyrean, number nine is Necrovirus, number eight is Nomad, number seven is Nazroka, number six is Emirates of Hakan. We have five factions left to rank, which yep. is Asarl Tribes, Universities of Jolnar, Nalu Collective, Mahakt Gene Sorcerers, and Clan of Sar. If we pat... Uh, um, we have passed a faction for me. Okay. I have a faction that was already rated on my list, which was Clan of Sar at number eight. And I think you have one as well. Which one is yours? I have two. I have Jolnar and Asarl. We've passed oh, both so you, of those. So we've, we've passed both of those. Yep. Oh, so it looks like our top two is probably going to be Mahawk and Nalu. That's then. crazy, man. Uh, I mean, let's, let, really let, make sense, let's scoot but, that up okay. there, I guess. But I don't know what that means. That is okay. so funny. Um, well, so let's see. So, so uh, I rated... 
Um, Clan Asar number eight. What did you rank uh, Jolnar and Asarl? Uh, Jolnar was nine. Asarl was eight. So our your your Sar and my Asarl are the same. And then Jolnar for me is just under the two. I assume Jolnar is a couple steps above for you. Well, Jolnar is my number one. I'll just go ahead and reveal oh, it. I think Jolnar is okay. still. I think Jolnar there. is the, the best faction in the game. I don't even play Jolnar. Sure. It's so weird. But I've just always thought of Jolnar as being yeah. the best. And then you know, I just feel like their kit is just always I'll just, the most versatile. I'm just going to concede that point. Like, I'm just going to let it slide. That, that Jolnar is going to go above these two, even though I put it underneath. Because okay. I think I'm stupid with Jolnar because I just, I play them. But I'm just like, I don't know, it seems to work fine. But I also am like constantly in a negative headspace when I play as Jolnar. So I don't think about like... Matt, you're actually coasting right now. You know, like my, my my mentality doesn't allow me to see when I have a game so on lock that it's just like mm -hmm. already done, which is where Jolnar ends up all the time. And I totally get that. Like I, I've seen it too. I see the games where Jolnar is just winning and it's and it's whatever. I'll say now, because we're doing this, we're, we're talking about Asarl and Sar. Clan Asar was still my number one. Wow. We're putting it down here, but I don't... I, I we talk a lot about the thing of like, oh, a Sar can get like punched really hard. I think if you play Sar halfway decently, you are just fine in all of the categories and there's nothing that can be done about you at all. There's nothing. You don't get to take their home system. They get to just hang out in asteroid fields. Like I think that actually gets undersold as how good that is. Like Sar just gets to always be in the equation. I don't agree. I think at a high level of play, I think I think people like really kind of punish a lot of SAR strategy. I think the problem is that everyone knows how to play SAR, or yeah. maybe I should frame it differently because I mean, maybe that's not true. Maybe it's that everyone knows how to play against yes. SAR. Right. Um, whereas SARL has an advantage that seems a little more elemental to me. Mm -hmm. The fact that they have these action cards is just a fact. And right. then there's no way to really kind of maneuver around it right oftentimes to me it feels like if a sorrel is my opponent i have to just hope that the odds have somehow played out yeah in a way that a sorrel doesn't have exactly what they need and then i find out right. that they do you know what's wild is uh just in looking at this and my uh i have i still have uh first off hunter congratulations on finishing your async game uh, from 10,000 oh, yeah. years ago. I just ago. did that. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, in my second async game, which is an eight-player alliance game, I just needed to be said that Carnal and Kaluin are on a team with Isarl and Mahakt. Ew. So... Gross. That's... That sucks. <laughs> and uh, when you see Isarl in someone like that's hands... It is a testament to the faction, right? And yeah. then um, on my side of the camp, it's me with Nomad and Rwise with Clan Asar, and we're dying out here, folks. Now right. that's y'all are <laughs> that's my that's my fault, and I did that to Rwise, so I'm sorry, Rwise, for crushing right. your Sar game. Uh, but there is there's such a there's such a weird factor there, but it it's always so hard for me to understand what happens to Sar outside of like I. What I hear from you, Hunter, is that they're almost, it's the same thing as like a Winu thing. Like, Sar has all it's of these advantages. It's, it's obviously better. better than Winu thing. They're in the top yeah. five. But what we're saying is the meta 
against Saur is still so stark in its comparison to any other faction that it does inhibit them. Now, that, that meta exists because the faction is raw power, yeah. but we see that dealt with. And, and, and in your comparison to Asarl, the power is there, but it's hidden in these action cards, and you have no understanding of what you could do to sidestep them. Whereas with Saur, it's like, well, there's their numbers. Their plastic equals this much. If I just, if me and another neighbor make a point to equal a larger number than the Saur, we'll keep them in check and it will be fine. There's no surprises coming out of Clan Asar. But Asar is like nothing but surprises and like raw power, basically, which is so wild compared to how Asar used to rank. But that's a whole other thing. I, I think the reason that Asar used to rank the way it did and the reason that I feel so much more positive about Asar these days is uh, I was talking, this is what I was talking primarily to chat about. And chat was being very like, you know, Asarl is really good. And I was like, kind of like pushing back. But then I, I, I just kept thinking about it. And the mm -hmm. things they were saying kept sitting with me. And I think what happened was this. When Asarl, when POK came out, everyone that played Asarl was playing Asarl the same way. Yeah. And perhaps they were playing them wrong. Right. Uh, which is that they went all green, Mageon Biostims, and they put all of their tech focus in just that maximizing the Mageon play. Right. Now, I used to complain about this play, but it wasn't really informed by anything. It was mostly just because I didn't like it how... It sucks, yeah. It just sucks to play against. Right. And so I think as, like, as time has gone on, Asarl players have sort of chilled on mm -hmm. that approach. And I think maybe in a weird way, we were right that you shouldn't do Biostim's Mageon yeah. because if you don't, that's one more green tech that you're not getting, yep. that you're investing in blue tech, yep. in in actually making your kit more versatile. Yep. Um, and I think that versatility is something that if a Sarl has it, it can go quite well. I've seen I've seen a lot of really good Sarl games where they didn't get any green tech, yep. and they were just like, "I'm just going blue." I I'm never be... I never do it. I mostly because I don't. I just think it's bad and not fun. I have in my last few SRL games, I have only gone blue tech. I've ne I haven't gone for Mageon in a long time because I just yeah. have no interest in it. Yeah, I think I think a full blue SRL with just what you're basically saying is I am a faction whose advantage is that I draw a bunch of action cards. Right. You still get them. You still get yep. them in your hand. Right. Yes, other people still have action cards, but I I have them as well, and I have fleets that can move wherever like sure. all the other cool factions yep. and i get mechs for free whenever i want them yep. and i can stall yep. that is a versatile kit yep. being able to make sure that no one likes the action card aspect of the game isn't really that versatile yep. because you might just be like oh but my units they can't really do anything where are they going right. like what are they doing right so like i think that blue asarl has kind of justified the whole thing and then obviously you know, if you want to get Biosims Mageon on top of being Blue Asarl, there's room. Now, obviously, that's great. Like, and then they're all they're all boned. Yeah. Then. But like, the idea that Biosims Mageon is the default approach, I think that was weakening Asarl. Yeah. And I just want to, you know, reward the. I, I've just I've been drawn. I've been brought back. Yeah. Okay. I've watched too much Kaluin. I've watched too much Planet Earth. There's too many of these players that play Asarl and they play Asarl so well. Yep. And then you're just kind of like, all right, well, like, just because there's this annoying strategy that a lot of people get kind of hooked on and they'll kind of over rely on it to where it'll feel like, oh, this isn't adding up to a win. Yep. 
I, I'm not going to punish the faction for that. And now that I just feel like I've seen so many people sort of let go of that kind of single-minded focus and approach, it's like, wow, there's actually a lot here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I think we've been working our way towards the world where Asarl is like a top, top faction for a long time. And, and getting even into the top five is like, it has risen really far. But I, I want to just also add to this fire <laughs> because we talk we you know we had recent action card episodes where we were like action cards aren't that good you probably shouldn't like overinvest them that's for everybody but a sorrow because yeah. the whole thing that hurts action cards is a seven card hand limit seven cards is just not enough to cultivate a meaningful action card deck but when you can have 15 action cards yeah. completely different situation completely right. different the number of times i've tried to do even a minor thing to a sorrow and they're just like oh double shields holding sabotage and a reflective shielding sorry you never stood yeah, a chance yeah. in this combat actually you just had no idea it, a sorrow is begging other players to make completely stupid moves into you they just don't know how stupid the move is yet because there's so many unknowns about about doing that to them and then yeah man oh let me tell you about kaluin's tech path now this is a this is an alliance game uh so we're going to 14 you know we've gone long um yeah but uh let me just read hunter you react how you would to hearing this bevy of information this is this is a sorrel's tech in this game dark energy tap gravity drive light wave deflector predictive intelligence neural motivator biostims hypermetabolism magi on implants fighter two carrier two dreadnought two yeah that's, that's ridiculous that's ridiculous that's ridiculous i mean he they they are the only thing stopping them at this point is their bad speaker position in this particular game outside of that all we've talked about is like uh we're getting steamrolled by asarl and mahawk right now right like we're all right. dead right it's right. just the only thing we can do is keep speaker token away from them so yeah. Speaking okay. of Mahawk, I, I got to. So, one thing I got to make sure I get into the Asarl discussion is the leader suite. Oh my God. The agent, the Asarl agent is so ridiculous that it's going to continue to get better as new factions yeah. are added to the game. It's so crazy. Here's the fact that now uh, an Asarl game with Nalu in it yep. is now crazy. Asarl with Hakan is crazy. Yep. Asarl with Mahawk is crazy yeah. like it just doesn't stop with these Clanisar. guys yeah. here here's yeah. my here's my prediction for tournament five Isarl is going to underperform in this coming tournament because the faction draft allows players to go well we can't let the asarl agent it's get true. crazy yeah and so asarl is going to end up in a bunch of faction pools that hurt its agent and that will you're be right. enough to sort of slow them down so you won't if it were just random pools asarl would just crush it because it'd be like oh well in that game it was nalu in that game it was so and so and it's just like so many examples of all the times it worked and the whole reason the faction pool is going to offset that is because we allow you to pick where asarl ends up so yeah Okay. Oh, this, is, this is crazy, though, the way this is. Because I don't really under... Okay, so... So, my number... my So, my number one was Jolnar. Your number one was Sar. Yeah. Which is number five. Five, five is Clan Asar. And then, I guess, three is going to be Jolnar, which is my number one. Yeah, sounds which like... our top two is not going to be either of our top twos. Uh, my, our, t our top two is my... Four and five. That it's the my problem. four and five. It's my four and five. So that's just how I guess compromise works, huh? That's really weird. Um, so let's talk about Jolnar for a minute before sure. we move to our top two. Yeah, why is this happening? Well, I, I I do think a bit of it is is me being a stupid Jolnar player. I like I'm I'm gonna own up to that. 
and maybe Jonar like should be the de facto number one, but um, I don't know. I don't know what my argument is. I guess I I happened to put them lower, and that was probably a bad call. I don't know. Um, what are their weaknesses? Let's see. Let's let let, let Daddy think. Do, should am I talking myself into just letting Jonar be number one? I feel like I am at the current. Well, moment. let's. Well, maybe. Okay. 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 Let's do this. Let's have a discussion. Let's well, have a three way discussion. Yeah. Let's yeah. just do, let's. Let's talk about third, second, and first all in one go. Yeah. Because we know our top three is going to be Jolnar, Nalu, and Mahak. Yep. Um, how did you... Because I put Mahak number five, Nalu number four. Exactly how did you do Exactly that. Exactly the same, huh? Yep. I think I think Mahak uh, has been, you know, obviously underrated on this show. Yep. I'm surprised that we... That they're going to be number three, like in the top three. I don't think they're quite that good. Yeah. But this is where we're at. This is how it works, making a list like this, and yeah. I don't care about backing down. Yeah. <laughs> Mahawk has a really cool kit with a lot of, like, I would say, kind of fluff, like stuff we don't really need. Right. There's so and much that's why chaff. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of chaff, but we have a crazy agent. We have a cra even crazier commander, yeah. and then we have uh, a really good hero. Yeah. The and leader suite is, is, yeah, go ahead. That home system is a 3-5. So often, Mahawk just gets custodians rounds one. And if they don't get it round one, there's plenty of situations where they get it round two. Like, they they can yeah. be a custodian faction without a whole lot of difficulty, even if sometimes the movement isn't always necessarily there. But, like, right. literally, a red skip Mahawk is just like, uh-oh, this is a problem all game. Because they're going to cruise yeah. to their way to, to uh, Mechatol Rex. Um, so, but even then, the rest of that 3-5 pays off game long. Tokens all game that then feeds into how good that commander can be. Um, it's stuff that is not baseline economic advantages like your Hakans and your Nasrokas and your Nomads, but it's stuff that gets utilized for game-winning maneuvers. But yeah. they, it's not, they're not excelling... Um, from start to finish they have the abs i think they have the absolute strongest closer if they if they plan for it and set up for it i think they can't be stopped in the late game it's just you got to get there and that's what keeps them in this sort of i guess maybe three <laughs> number three instead of whatever else who knows um yeah I I, I I i think there's a lot of things going for them i think the fact that they can break uh, the cardinal rule of Twilight Imperium is nothing to scoff at. Yep. I think that really it just comes down to like trying to figure out how to get their economy going. I think what we've seen is when Mahawk does do that, mm. that it's a very kind of unstoppable place that they can get into. They also have a tendency to come back from being behind yeah. in a way that I find very well, interesting. Well, I mean, and what? I in in, in last year's finals, we didn't have Jono like absolutely winning in those final rounds like nope. no it was like not. like Jono no. found a win and and it, right. it's like a stellar thing that happens so yeah i i i definitely think um i think mahawk deserves to be in the top five them being at three is pretty surprising but i don't i don't care i think the mahawk fans out there are gonna are gonna be stoked that uh they've f for once we've maybe over considered mahawk you know what they get yeah. to have it this one time <laughs> let's do it this year let's over consider mahawk <laughs> So you're comfortable because I, I, we're in agreement. We both think that Mahawk should be number five, but we yeah. can agree on other things. So now Mahawk is number three. Exactly. That's how it works. So, but okay. It, in our guts, we were both on the same page, yes. which is this is the fifth best fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and and Nalu, Nalu is supposed to be fourth for both of us. Here's what I'm going to say now. I put Jolnar at ninth on my list. My list was slapdash put together. 
and I'm a Joel Nar stupid person, and I look at this, and like I cannot stomach Nalu Collective being number one. No, I Nalu know can't be number one. I know that that's not right. Nalu, right. the zero token is powerful. That agent is completely ridiculous. End of list of major advantages for Nalu Collective. Right. They're two right. of the biggest advantages in the game for early game and late game. They are, you know, it, they are the two tools that far exceed your QDNs, your mirror computings, the stuff that we freak out about. They are the top of both of those lists. Everything else in the Nalu Collective toolkit is subpar, basically. Right. right. So, yes. Jolnar so I, is an easy number one here. Wow. So I, th I want to say the logic of my top five, because I thought a lot about the top five sure. specifically, and then the rest, I was like, okay. So the logic of my top five, my number five was Mahawk, my number four was Nalu, my number three was Isarl, two Nazaroka, and number one was Jolnar. I thought, okay, four and five, like, like versatility is king, in, yes. my, in my opinion. Right. Especially when you're talking about Twilight Imperium in the abstract. And I think uh, Isarl, Nazaroka, and Jolnar give you the shades of versatility that I love the most. Yeah. Um, in that Nazaroka can mill the exploration deck and it, it's full of great stuff. Yep. Like that is just always going to be very helpful to have, especially the sooner you start doing it. And guess what? They can do it pretty fast. Um, Isarl is milling the action card deck. Well, that's maybe a little less consistent than the exploration deck, but we can do so much of it that yep. it's going to pay off in some way. Right. And then Jolnar is milling the tech deck. Guess what? That's always good. Yeah. There's only bangers in the right. tech deck. Right. Well, you and, know? and and specifically in their tech deck, one of the techs is this ridiculous economic powerhouse. So it's yep. like, oh, they just get money. They have a promissory note that's just free money. More money right. than you can ever deal with. And they have four commodities to boot. It doesn't make any sense how good they are economically. They're just, they, they, they just far exceed what most other factions can do economically and tech. And tech is amongst these other three you just or the other two you just described tech is the one where like nobody else gets to to outpace that like you're locked nope. into tech tempo and jolnar is just like later skaters i'm I, yeah. i'm gonna do everything i'm the Adios. only yeah and may, hope, maybe i'll lend you some of my sure. tempo overflow <laughs> if i feel like it but maybe i won't um yeah it's 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 outrageous so i was like i want my top three to all be versatility picks to yeah. be to be like we have these distinct advantages that just kind of play out and just kind of allow us to do whatever. Four and five for me are what are the two factions that most upset yeah. the kind of foundation of Twilight Imperium? And I feel like the zero token for Nalu basically being like, I don't care about tempo. Yep. And then Mahawk saying, well, in the late game, I can move as many times, as much yeah. as I have gas in the tank, right. I can move this dang train. Right. I feel like that is what warrants that top five. It's been a little remixed here. I'm okay with it. I think the zero token is outrageously powerful. Yep. I think Nalu is still kind of weak up top. Number two is probably an overrate, but I don't care. Yep. It's now it's canon. Right. Okay. And it'll always well, be now, true. Now it gets to B2, and then we get to see players rightfully punch Nalu's, which hasn't been happening for the last few weeks. Like since Code really has release, that's the problem. Is Nalu is in an early Winu situation right now where it's just like we're letting him get away with way too much whereas Nalu should be getting absolutely smacked in the face round two um, not right. everybody always has range so there's plenty of games where things can work out and then Nalu's agent starts building at a forward dock and then like maybe they're safe I do think Nalu's mid game is is actually decently safe but if people could get in there fast enough, maybe maybe Nalu will, will drop down a few pegs. It's hilarious that they're number two because what we're talking about is a faction that in the tournament 
was very close to the bottom. But again, this codex thing just like re- like no faction Agent has undergone a yeah. bigger change. We talked a lot about Winu doing so much better after POK, and we've seen where that got them. I'm curious to see where this gets Nalu. <laughs> this this like wild vast improvement. Do they need to get some SAR treatment? Like they're they're just so obviously a powerhouse that like basically people should never do deals with Nalu at all. Like you just shouldn't. They don't have anything tradable anyways, but like Nalu should be economically in trouble all game long is the way I look at what should happen to them going forward. It it takes me a long time to learn a Twilight Imperium faction because I generally approach them like I, I will play a game and be like, I'm going to give myself permission to lose this one right. and not really focus it on too much. You can even watch me on stream. I'll, I'll do this. I'll say like, you know, like this might be wrong, but I want to do it because yep. I want to see it play out, et cetera. Um, I make choices like that. Like I just did that for, for a Nasroka game uh, that you can hopefully watch on YouTube soon. Um, but with Nalu, with Codex 3 Nalu, I played him the first time and I was like, okay. And then I almost won. And I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> Uh, that, that just kind of clicked on really fast. And I was like, these are some weird abilities to be yeah. clicking on so fast. And the second game, I won and felt bad about it. Mm-hmm. I felt kind of like, oh, that was, I really, I felt a little bit like, uh, I, because I get, you know, in order to, to do this show, I get, I get to play with, I get to play with some wonderful people, by the way, right. that I love playing with so much. Um, but I also like, I feel a little bad sometimes because I'm telling them like, I need to play this faction. It right. feels very like needy yep. or kind of like, well, it's got to be this. I felt bad saying I needed to play Nalu. Yes. Like I felt bad saying that. And I'm about to do some Mahawk because we. it looks like the Galactic Council is going to pick Mahawk unless you want to change that. Go ahead. Whatever. Like I mean, I'm excited hours. to play Mahawk, so I don't care. You got, yeah, you have like no time to do it. But anyways, I'm, I'm about to play some Mahawk. I don't feel bad Mm-mm. about asking people to let me play Mahawked a whole bunch. Right. But I felt really bad asking for Nalu because yep. it is the advantage that it gives you is so distinctive that it feels a little bit messed up. Yeah. Like it might make your tummy hurt a little bit. Yeah. Joel Nar doesn't even make my tummy hurt playing Joel Nar. I feel like it's like I I I have I think the best options available to me if I play Joel Nar, but I still gotta I still gotta decide what yes. to do. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas right. Nalu is just like Here's the zero. Yeah. Congratulations. Like, yeah. that's it. It uh, It's a real, uh, it's a real kick to my confidence to look at my, uh, if I were to make my favorite factions list, oh, it's universities of Jolnar and um, it's, it would be like a Nalu collective and maybe a Sarl tribes and clan Asar and Emirates of Akan and not, it's like, oh God, I only like our top rated factions. It's like the only, <laughs> the only stuff I enjoy playing is easy street, which is why I'm stoked to, I'm actually really stoked that Mahawked is going to win this Galactic Council poll because first off, I, I've been certainly taking a back seat to the like, put put yourself in the seat and like put the work in and do the play this faction a lot. Like I've, I've had a good hiatus from that. And Mahawk seems like a great faction to come back to for that mentality for me yeah. because, well, they're probably really great, but it's not great in an easy way for me. It's great in a like, you got to like think about your toolkit and do something with it. And that'll be an interesting challenge. I think for me specifically as a player who is uh, not as good at that kind of stuff. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for it. Uh, we should read the list. Yeah. Yeah. Quickly. Let's read the whole list to you. Um, that way you can be, Ma- maximum disagreement time okay <laughs> let us know give us the juice all right okay. everyone well, here's you what we do okay. out there we're about to we're about to read the list everyone if you're if you're sitting down somewhere hop on the discord and just like have your hands on the keyboard and as 
as things, as you feel emotions, just type them out right now. This is your permission. This is the only time I've ever given you permission to just like blind, just just to react to things. And then and then when we're done with the list, you just hit enter with whatever you ended up with. And don't give any context. Don't write Jolnar, colon this. Just hit, just keep typing as you feel the things you feel throughout this list. Ready? Is your Are your hands on your keyboard or on your phone? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Get ready. Number one, Universities of Joel Nar. Number two, The Nalu Collective. Number three, Mahat Gene Sorcerers. Number four, Isaral Tribes. Number five, The Clan of Sar. Number six, The Emirates of Hakan. Number seven, Nasroka Alliance. Number eight, The Nomad. Number nine, The Necrovirus. Number ten, Empyrean. Number eleven, Titans of Ul. Number 12, Council Caleras. Number 13, Extra Kingdom. Number 14, Federation of Soul. Number 15, Argent Flight. Number 16, L1Z1X MindNet. Number 17, the Mentak Coalition. Number 18, the Barony of Letnev. Number 19, the Vulwraith Cabal. Number 20, Ghosts of Creasts. Number 21, Sardak Nor. Number 22, the Winu. Number 23, Yin Brotherhood. Number 24, Embers of Muat. And number 25, Arborek. Yeah, there you go. Another year, <laughs> another list. You wrong. We're right. We rule. You drool. All right. See you next year, okay? I'm excited to put on this mean hat again yeah. one year from today. Um, but no, obviously, everyone has uh, great opinions, great thoughts. Please share them. Um, I think that it's, this is this is like kind of a like the type of um content that it's kind of pointless because I'm going to be honest there's I don't actually think there's a lot of daylight between most of these no. factions like no way. I think I think we're living at a time where Twilight Imperium is actually remarkably uh tight as yeah. far as like how viable is every faction? I think they are all viable. Yep. Of course. Like, that's what I actually think. Seriously. Right. I'm taking the joke hat off yeah. completely. I am putting it in the bin. Right. All right? I'm just a raw adult person with you right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's actually not that much difference between the number one ranked faction on our list, or for, for me at least, I'll say, the number one ranked faction for, on my list from, like, the number 15th faction yep. on right. my list. There's not that much difference. Yep. You can pretty much play whatever suits your play style yep. and you'll probably do well. Now, probably if you want to do well in the tournament, probably behooves you to learn uh, a litany of factions, like yep. several, you know, like five, maybe right. even 10 if you can. Yep. If you got time for it. I mean, who's got time for that? I do, but <laughs> maybe somebody does. Um, just learn as much as you can about the game and learn, try and be comfortable with as many factions as possible. And you will have a chance at winning. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. The only two truths in Twilight Imperium is Blue Tech is good and Arborek is bad. The and yeah, that's the end. That's, that's it. it. That's everything. All uh, you gotta know. That's all <laughs> you gotta know. Okay. I want to thank our weird bears: Big Al Cappuccino, Squeamish Emu, Brassbird, Kalu, and Jadim Jedi, Carnal John, Necrodice Twice, Kindred Spirit, Alice, Lord Raddington, Murderous Troll, Old Man GI, Bagels, Emlashevsky, Sunfax, Absol, Ricky M44, Rwise, Ryan, Salty Mix, Scrub, Spirit Thing, and W H Chiz. And I want to thank Mama's lovely Larva. This is like. The second to last time I will say that, just to make yeah. that aware. We yeah. have to change the yeah. name of this tier next year because we Every always year we do. do. Uh, so Mama's Lovely Larva, for your penultimate time, thank you. 
To Patience as a Virtue, Ethan CCC, My Son is also named Bort, Nervezerg, Baldric, Tautology is what it is, Frank G, Rekka, General Pith, Uncle Batty, Savant, and Vince. Yeah. Um, okay, Galactic Council, you're, pr- I mean, you're pretty much locked in at this point, but if you have not had a chance to vote and you're hearing this episode on day of release, uh, hop on in and vote on yep. which faction you want covered yeah. in the new year. It looks like Mahak took the lead Instantly. like right away. Yeah. It was like you all had already made up your minds. You were all like Mahak. We wanted yeah. to be Mahak. Yeah. Um, so there you go. It's probably going to be Mahak. That's exciting. I'm ready to play some Mahak yeah. uh, in the new year. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be great. Oh, and also next, next week, next episode, it's going to be our holiday spectacular episode. Yeah. We have not done that in a very long time. So, you know, get ready for it to be, instead of being, you know, what, how long is this episode going to be? Like two hours? Two and a half hours. <laughs> two and a half hours, Matt. Oh no. Hey, guess what? We, OGA's episode was also two and a half hours this week. Thanks wow. a lot. Us. We're do, you're getting, you're getting so much of us in one <laughs> week. You probably do not need that. Um, do not expect next week's episode no. to be very long at all. No. The fact that you'll get one at all will, is quite, quite the opportunity You'll probably get a 10 hour stream though. So whatever. Next yeah. week is the holiday yeah. spectacular come check it out december 27th roughly 10 a.m central standard time start hey you can rate this podcast on your app of choice you can also find our website spacecatspeaceturtles.com for information about our patreon our twitter our discord our merch all of those things for some reason this week i decided to include a this imperium life story a play of the week uh because i don't know in my head i thought this episode would go short what if what is wrong with you but i do want to read this one because this is a great one if you want to send us a play of the week send it to space cats peace turtles at at gmail.com uh, uh this one i am saying is from jp uh jp you didn't include your name i'm including a uh, part of your name without doxing you hi jp okay i am empyrean with speaker first round to my left is a first time player in control of the clan of sar to their left is the argent flight sar asked for absolutely no specific advice but only general advice and rules nuance uh he was open to before we played so go trying to go in blind wanting to learn doesn't want training wheels so he knew the importance of tempo and the importance of the 10th point and how his space stocks broke the conventional rules my goal was to feed the beast early on and help the new guy take off and experience the might of a Sarball, but hopefully ride behind him and see what actually happens in the last rounds when the whole table wants to stop him. Just kind of shooting for a fun dynamic game for the new guy. The first two objectives are unscorable by everyone, so it's a round to set up. I picked trade and I opened negotiations with Sar, who took warfare. I'll move a destroyer into some empty space by him, and he starts by taking the planet adjacent. We can make an extra trade good from Dark Pact and even swap supports. Sar had jumped their space dock next to Mechatol and picked up that token as his fifth action thanks to the Dark Pact, stalling most people out. The new guy was dancing to the fiddle and was going to pull ahead round one to already catch the table's ire. Except he swerved. He took that lead space dock alone with two infantry to snag Bacall Alioprima from Argent right under their four PDS shots. Let's, uh, sorry, I'm stopping the story real quick. This person off the dome came up with stealth bombers. <laughs> they did not need to engage with anything in <laughs> the computer and just told. like, hey, this works like this, huh? All right, so we're dealing with the, uh, the brain of a genius, <laughs> just to be clear. All right, so then they built up a decent fleet 
but was now under their six trade good limits if they want to take Mechatol round one. So he went right with the rest of his fleet and took Berigler to four from me before I could get to it with a smile saying, we're still friends, right? Oh, sure, he didn't take Mechatol round one, but he was the only one adjacent controlling half the systems next to it. And he was picking strategy cards before Argent, who was the only one who could get there at the start of round two. He had set our border by taking my forward staging ground while protected by a support swap. And without spending the trade goods on Mechatol, he had fleets on both fronts stronger than either of his neighbors. The new guy dances to no one's fiddle. That's great. And I mean, who can dance to a fiddle, you know? <laughs> Not me. I don't know how you're supposed to. But yeah, that's that's very cool play. That's a very cool thing to just have happen with a new player. Um, you know, I think we were wrong. I think SAR's number one, yep. to be honest. <laughs> like, I, we, we definitely messed up. It's got to be SAR. I mean, how could it be? How could it be anything besides SAR? Yeah. All right. Well, Matt, I really got to go yeah. uh, because I got to get on a plane to come see you. Yay. In the flesh world in flesh world um, and we have to do so many more recordings all of which i expect to take longer than two and a half hours yeah looking for um, looking forward to it buddy our life yeah. that is content yeah <laughs> our, that, that our is, friendship that is content that is what our life is um instead of g ending this one on a joke though i just want to say to everybody because you're not gonna hear from us again until after the holidays happy holidays i hope hey, you have a good one like really holidays. like just have a good time yeah have a great time um, see some people you like, you know, uh, pat them on the back, eat, eat some food, yeah. you know, eat yeah. like a food you don't eat most yeah. of the time. Yeah. I, if you, I don't know my, what that is. My, my but. favorite thing about the holidays is, um, people who are not Christians that get the connection of going places that like where all like it's a ghost town, but like KFC's popping off because we all get to go <laughs> chill. Like all of us that aren't celebrating Christmas, are, like you get your own little extra holiday. That's oh, that's sure. non-Christmas yeah, yeah. Christmas. Yeah, I think that rules. In this is kind of an America-centric thing. I don't know how this. I think it pans in other Western countries, but yeah, that's that's kind of my favorite thing. Is just the like, it's it's just December twenty-fifth to me, but the December twenty-fifth is kind of party day, don't you think? Yeah. it's a little bit it's party true. day. It's true. So yeah, I hope everybody has a good a good one, and uh, I will see you in uh, in a week. Yep. Um, please check out the holiday spectacular um, because it will probably be a uh, dumpster fire. <laughs> so you should watch it because it will be it will be uh, it be... will. I mean, obviously, it won't be I good. I mean, it was yeah. a huge mistake, but it's on the books now, so there yep. ain't no getting out of it. So yep. uh, yeah, I guess that's just a truth. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll. Yeah, I mean, see you there, buddy. Uh, I couldn't wait. Oh, yeah, see ya. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>